This podcast may contain adult humor, foul language, and graphic nudity. Please be advised. In other words, you're probably going to have a good time. Welcome to the nest. I look real good today. 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 Jumping at the all right, welcome back to another episode of From the Nest. I'm your host, Colin Werenberg, and as always with me by my side, my co-host, Mr. TJ White. TJ, how are you doing this week? Good, Colin. How are you, sir? I cannot complain. I am excited, TJ. This week is probably one of the biggest weeks that we've had so far just because of our guest. He is probably one of the most well-known people in Monroe County, someone that it does more for anybody else and goes above and beyond and thinks about anybody else besides himself and i think it is just going to be a very exciting week for us yes i am pumped can't wait to talk to him uh find out his inspiration and find out uh, a little bit more about uh, his benefit a hundred percent did you do we have any sponsors this week we do colin um after what a couple months now of basically threatening people with our stupidity we have a couple sponsors, some real live sponsors. They, uh, I threatened to make up stupid poems about their product, and uh, they buckled. They flat out buckled. And we are thrilled to have them on board. Starting off with Holton Meats. Uh, if you want to find out the history of Holton Meats, you can go back to and listen to episode number three with Greg Holton. Uh, we talked to him for over an hour, and he gave us the history of it, and it was very entertaining. But uh, they are locally owned and operated. Uh, Holton Meats started in 1940 as a little IGA store and turned into the giant hamburger machine that it is today. Their products are in over 300,000 grocery stores worldwide and numerous restaurants, both local and worldwide. Um, They have uh, several different products, uh, like the Chop House Steak Burgers, which was Greg Holton's favorite, by the way, available in Deerbergs and Schnooks. Uh, smash burgers, Angus beef steak burgers, Angus sirloin steak burgers, certified Angus beef steak burgers. They have the Bradshaw Ranch Thick and Juicy Burgers um, by the NFL's great Terry Bradshaw. He's uh, part of the, their company and uh, is a proud sponsor of them. Um, you find those in Deerbergs and Schnooks and Walmart and Gordon Foods. Uh, they have the Cheddar Bacon, the Cheddar Cheese Garlic and Butter. They have the party pack beef patties you can find in Aldi's, Deerbergs, and Schnooks. Um, then, then you can find the extra value thick and juicy burgers in Walmart. Uh, tons of products. We have had so many people that have asked us since we've been kind of pimping him out here and talking a lot about him here recently. And I'm not kidding you, my phone is blowing up. People asking me where can I find it. I don't know why people don't know it, haven't known more about them. But uh, since we've been talking about it, people have been asking like crazy, and it's great that, uh, that he's getting the, the support that he deserves. Um, they are a huge supporter of Columbia, um, both athletics and, and other events. Uh, they donate burgers for uh, fundraisers, and um, I think we should give them the same support that, uh, that they give this town. And uh, so anytime you're going to looking for a grill, whether it's just uh, for the family or a big party, uh, check out some Holton Meats uh, products and uh, grill them up. Colin, who else do we have? 
Yeah, we also have another sponsor this week, and this one hits kind of near and dear home to me. It's Renew Mind and Body Wellness. It is a total body holistic health center. Their goal is to teach and empower their clients to be the best versions of themselves. They do mental health counseling, anything from ages 5 to adult, marriage counseling, PTSD, cognitive behavioral therapy, you name it, they can do it. They also do massage therapy, anything kind of reduce that stress, pain, and muscle tension, functional diagnostic nutrition. They kind of look to find the root of issue that you're having instead of automatically going to, to treat your problem with prescription drugs. They also do float therapy. You go either once at a time or you can get a monthly subscription to the float packages. They also have fitness classes every weekday from 9 to 10 or Monday through Thursday, 6 through 7 p.m. They have far infrared saunas and iconic foot detox and hydrotherapy launders. Or you can rent their multi-purpose rooms for workshops, classes, weddings, or baby showers. To find out more, you can go to 618-281-2307, renewmindbodywellness.com. I'll tell you what, TJ. These people, they have helped me out beyond. I have done the mental health counseling. I've done the massage therapy. I've done the diagnostic nutrition. I've done the float. I mean, I've done it all. And How I, is that float therapy? It is awesome. Is it It really? is awesome. I haven't done that yet. I mean, you, you wouldn't expect to be relaxed. And someone like me who's got ADHD and OCD really bad, it gives you a sense of calming that you would not expect. And I cannot re- recommend this place high enough to anybody else. So please give them a call. And if you go in there or you call them, tell them that the boys from the nest sent you. Just let them know that you're listening and that we sent you. And, you know, it, it really is a great place, and I hope you guys check it out. Yes, we appreciate uh, me not having to make up stupid poems about them, to be honest with you. It's great to have them on board. Uh, this week, our cocktail of the week is the Songs for Soldiers Salty Dog. And that might give you a little clue on who our guest is this week. You have to be a little patient for a little bit while longer. but TJ, A lot of S's in there. That is a lot of S's, and I'm, I'm hoping that doesn't sound too bad. But, TJ, how was that cocktail this week? It's good. It's very refreshing. As always, that cocktail is super refreshing. It's the only adjective I know. <laughs> it's your refreshing is the same as my absolutely. Yes, we, it is. We can't think of anything else. <laughs> so we do have some exciting news, TJ. From some unforeseen, unfortunate events, we've had to get a new logo, and we've had some people step up. We did a little logo contest, and our winner is this week, Miss Maddie Schumacher with her logo, and you guys will see that right away. We've already posted it. This logo, I mean, it really embodies our podcast and who we are and it is incredible i mean whenever we sent out the first facebook post on hey we're looking for a new design maddie sent me this logo within maybe 10 minutes and it's incredible and it's incredible that it's the one that won right and it it, it completely embodifies us is that is that the word yeah i'm not good with the thesaurus it it it, it it's us and uh, it's everything that we're about and i love it and she does a great job yeah, I mean, the fact that her mind could come up with this so fast, I mean, it's it's incredible. I know she does some interior design, so if you guys ever need some interior design needs, please hit hang her on, up. Hang on, hang on. Not an official sponsor. Not an official sponsor. <laughs> Maddie, if you want to you wanna sponsor us, we'll support you in your, your uh, interior design. No, go ahead. Go ahead. She deserves it. Yeah, absolutely. She does interior design. You guys ever need any help? 
please give her a call. She is absolutely incredible at what she does. TJ, how was how was our sports this week? Well, the football team took a, took one in the chin, but uh, that's okay. We're a young team, and uh, Modern Day had 12 seniors, and uh, they took a big lead, and we came back and tied it up and just couldn't hold on. Um, but uh, I'm excited to see the boys this year. They uh, A lot of guys that are getting uh, first opportunity to play, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't, even though it was not the outcome that we wanted, it was a very entertaining game. I mean, you had us stopping them at the two-yard line. We had a couple interceptions. I mean, you cannot ask for more engaging game, no matter the outcome. And like you said, I mean, they had a lot more seniors, a lot more experience than we did. But I think once we get a couple more games in us, get that more relationship going with our team, you know, that quarterback-wide receiver connections, I think we're really going to do some damage this year. I think so, too. I mean, we literally have some 16-year-old boys playing on the line against 18-year-old grown-ass men. And the difference between a sophomore and a senior may not seem like that much, but it is. It is huge. I mean, they are uh, the the muscle and the, the attitude and the knowledge and everything is so different between a sophomore and a senior. And it, it showed on Friday night, but uh, I agree. I'm looking forward to uh, to the season and seeing what these guys can do. And I tell you, the crowd, the Blue Crew, was the best that I've seen in five years um, since Brennan was a freshman, um, and I went to games before that. Um, I don't know if it what got into them, and I, I pray that it, it keeps up every week. But we had so many parents telling us how awesome it was to, for those kids to be in the stands, how loud they were. They actually knew what they were talking about when, in football. They got loud when they were supposed to. They were quiet when they were supposed to be quiet. It was awesome. It, 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 I mean, we lost, uh, but it was one of the most exciting, loud games that I've ever been to. It was great. It felt like a college atmosphere. It was awesome, and I hope they keep it up. Yeah, you cannot ask for a better a better student base than that we had at that game, and at almost every sport that we have now. I mean, I was working that game as my professional job, and I look over and you see students from the very bottom of the stands to the very top, and that is something really cool to see. And I have not seen that since I was in high school. I know there's a couple years that it dipped down. You know, you'd hardly ever see it, but this student body really just embraces the whole eagle spirit in the in the backing of each sports team that we have it's really incredible to see yeah and i and i know that they show up for the basketball and the volleyball and i get it you're inside and you're out of the elements and 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 it's maybe it's louder inside and and they do a great job inside as well but i was really impressed with the kids uh friday night i really was who do we got coming up this week for football, TJ? Uh, Waterloo, the uh, Monroe County rivalry. It'll be uh, it's in Waterloo. It'll be a good matchup. Um, I'm sure Waterloo is favored, but uh, we'll see. Maybe go punch them in the mouth and see what happens. Yeah, I mean you cannot ask for a better rivalry than Columbia Waterloo football. I mean that is the epitome of high school sports rivalry right there. And I, I, I'm for one. I'm very excited to watch that game this week. Yeah, and it's, it is a huge rivalry. But uh, you know they do have quite a few more kids, and and you know that, 
does play a big part in it. I mean, I think they're, they're always probably favored just because they're a bigger school. But, uh, you know, we've beaten them a few, a couple of years in, in the, the past three or four. I mean, it's, uh, you throw the records out the window is what they like to say when Waterloo plays Columbia. A hundred percent. We also had this last week, volleyball. They had a, a really good week this last week. We had our JV team taking home a championship, and our other teams also bringing home some Ws this week. We cannot ask for anything better. Like I mentioned on the last podcast, TJ, I'm really excited to see what Coach Longroff does with this new group of girls. You know, being this first year that she's back in it after retirement, I told you she was going to do some damage, and she has. This week coming up, we have two home games Tuesday and Thursday, so make sure you guys go out and support them. Freshman starts at 5 o'clock both nights with JV and Varsity to follow after them. Make sure you go out and support them. See what this this all-star team can do. Yeah, it uh, it it's hard to believe how much the community helps these kids play. I, 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 I don't know that's probably phrased wrong, but just like at the, at the football game the other night, that atmosphere, the intensity, it, it just, even though they might not hear the individual voices, they can hear the thunder. They can hear the intensity. They can hear the, the, the overall noise. And even if you don't have a kid playing volleyball or basketball or, or, or football, come out and support the kids. I mean, these kids bust their butts. I mean, they, uh, they practice hours and hours after school and before school if it's hot. And they, they bust their butts to, to help their future and, and to, to help their school. And any support is, is greatly appreciated. Yeah, and TJ, I'm, I'm going to agree with you right there. The community makes a world of difference. Being from somebody that played, I've played where I've had zero backing and it's been a quiet gym, and I've played when there is so loud you can barely hear your teammates on the court with you, and how, it makes a world of difference. How loud does it really get in the middle of a chess match, Colin? I'm not smart to play chess, TJ, oh, okay. but Checkers? close enough checkers there we go there we go but it, it does it does make a world of difference when everybody shows out and you're cheering super loud and you're showing your support there's nothing that makes you feel better and makes you want to drive to be the best that you can be while you're playing and i and i cannot thank columbia enough and i'll be honest with you i may be a little biased but i think columbia does it damn near better than any other community around this area as far as supporting their teams well I would agree with you on the basketball and the volleyball. These last few years, we've struggled with the football. We really have. Um, Dana is puts a stick up people's butts. She is a, a pain in the butt because she is so hard trying to get these kids to cheer. Last year, we had great turnouts, but I don't know if the kids didn't know much about football or, or what the, the problem was. Uh, great turnout. But they were just kind of quiet. They didn't know when to cheer and when to be quiet. And uh, But I'm telling you, if this continues, and maybe it's the influx of the, the freshmen and the sophomores, maybe that, that are playing some varsity and coming to support their kids, well, the next two or three years looks great. And if they can teach these uh, the, the younger kids as they continue, then you're, then it'll match right along with the basketball. I mean, I'm not kidding you. It was – it. We had numerous people tell us how it was the most fun they've had at a football game in a long time, and it was it was really great to see. 
Yep, it takes that one strong leader, that student leader, to lead everybody else in those cheers and get everybody going. And I think we finally have that this year. And I I'm, hope so. I'm, I'm really proud of it. And if this last Friday is just a peek into what's to come of our student body, then I'm very excited and I'm very hopeful for the future. Yeah. Um, Alex Schlemmer, our buddy that does the uh, broadcast on YouTube, which you should turn in, tune into, by the way, if you can't make it to the game. But he even noticed at one point it was uh, fourth down, and the crowd was so loud that they had to call a timeout. And he even noticed Coach Horner turn around and give applaud the kids, that that's how much of a difference they made. And I'm telling you, that hasn't happened in years. No. Well, also coming up this week, we have Queen Hearts up at Aces Wild, also benefiting the Columbia Fire Protection District. We are up to 6,600 folks. If you want a part of that, please come check us out. Please come get your tickets. I mean, we are growing every single week, and we're excited to see what's to come. I mean, like I said last week, we are the highest in Columbia right now. If you want in a Monroe piece, County. In Monroe County. Yeah. You want a piece of that action, come out, come to Aces Wild, come see me and TJ, get your tickets, hang out for a little bit. Hey, if you say that you're from the nest, maybe me and TJ will even buy you a drink. You oh, know, have no a little conversation no about, about it. it. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, and, there you go. Steal my, <laughs> steal my pickup line right there. And now that it's not 127 outside, uh, Alex has a great patio out there. And, and uh, you know, we've been cooking some burgers and hot dogs and having a good time. And, and it's, it's a great cause. And it's a lot of fun. Yep. And, and like we said, too, this money goes back to the community. This is not just benefiting the fire department. This is actually benefiting you guys, benefiting our seniors that want those scholarships to go to college. Please come support those guys. Come support us. We'd love to meet you. Come tell us hi, and uh, we'll buy you a drink or two. Yeah. So, Colin, uh, now it's time for TikTok of the Week. Let's see if this works. This week's TikTok is our buddy Gary Busey. Oh, I don't God. know if you have seen this. Um, I don't know who I, hasn't seen it this boy. Oh, He's all over the internet right now. Oh, he, I, I want to say it was 10 years ago. He was riding a motorcycle and f wrecked, hit his head on the curb, and has not been the same since. Um, I don't know how sane he was beforehand, but he is a train wreck. And he continues to do interviews. And uh, I just want to play a, a snippet of uh, an interview he did last week on a podcast. Um, you know what? At this point, honestly, we could probably get him on in his current mental state. Uh, but uh, let's take a listen to Mr. Busey. If you take five and you add five and you add ten and you add ten and you got twenty, you got infinite kindness, you got infinite gratuity. And through that, you can find something that's a perpetual inside of you, like you're drinking that coffee. There's something spiritual about that. If you look at something and there's nothing there, what's, what's the difference of figuring out what it was in the first place? I mean, you know, these are, these are metaphors. You must understand that you go to Chinatown, you get Chinatown, you get nunchucks. Well, now you can't get nunchucks. Before you get nunchucks, yeah. and they hit yourself on the, on the hand, you go, numbfucks. Because it, it hurt, but you didn't want to say ow or anything like that. You just said, so th this is the divine intervention. You could become a spiritual guru on your own, but you just have to tie your shoes, and you just have to know how to eat burritos backwards. <laughs> I want to get to burritos. I want to talk about burritos. Eat a burrito backwards. It, it, eat it backwards. You know, the leaky part starts going first. 
you go on the other part, the dry wrap part, and it gives you almost no time to eat the leaky part. And it's just a fun little game you can play with yourself. Now, let, let me pause it for a second here, Colin. This is one long rant. I, I'm not really sure what the question is, but there were about 47 questions answered in that answer. What is going on? What You are in the medical field. What is going on there? Is that from the wreck? Is there uh, numerous drugs and alcohol? What is going on? I mean, part of me would like to say from the medical field that that has something to do with some traumatic brain injury. But the other part of me, with common sense, would like to say there is a lot of decades of drugs going on just built up where you're not talking common sense. Oh. I mean, I, I, I did not follow one part of that whatsoever, I'll be honest with you. And I also want I want you guys to keep in mind... This is the man that in 1992 was voted the sexiest man alive. The guy that I mean, he had... He might win it again in 2023. I, I don't know. And we'll, we'll post this video like we always do with our Facebook. But, I, TJ, I don't know what's going on there. The only part that I followed and that I got some really good advice is the whole leaky burrito thing. I mean, it is. You turn it around to the dry part and, you, and the leaky part. I mean, I, I don't know why I never thought about it because I always end up with half the burrito in my lap. But that was genius, to actually turn it around and not have the leaky part. Other than that, I don't know what was going on. No, and I, I actually, I think, TJ, with this uh, Facebook post that we're going we're gonna to post with our next episode, I think me and you should go to Taco Bell, get a couple of big burritos, and try out the Gary Busey method of eating from both ends. Eat the leaky part. That way we, we don't leak any and see what happens. See if this man is actually onto something. He's not just crazy. Well, no. Well, let, let's let's finish and see what else Gary has. Uh, what good advice he has. Son, we live in a world that has walls. You know this thing, and and I don't think we do live in a world that has walls. I think that we we live in a world that has frequency. Maybe if you use that own that voodoo witchcraft on your own trade, you'd find somewhere on the other end of the snake pit. I mean, do you know what a revolutionary soldier looks like? Have you seen photographs? Have you seen paintings? Have you seen charcoal sketches? I haven't seen them either. You can have a Diet Coke or a Coca-Cola. That's what Mahatma Gandhi said. He said, you could have Diet Coke, but why? All the time, look at the purple, the color purple. A child's marker, it's so purple. That hasn't always been the case. 10 years ago, these markers weren't so purple. But now they're purple. Now what, they're really, what is he really fucking purple. And it's it's alarming to me, and it's also purple enchanting to me to see the deep blue sea inside, you know, this. Let's talk about buttered sausage. Talk about buttered sausage, where it comes from, what it does. Why is it doing what it's doing? Get it out of my face. Buttered sausage. It's not my jam. I don't buy jam. I buy honey, and I kiss it on the lips. I mean, what a train wreck. <laughs> What an absolute train wreck. <laughs> I, I'll be honest with you, TJ. You had me in the first two seconds where he starts him on the revolutionary war soldiers. I'm like, all right, he's going to drop some witness or some conspiracy theorists on us. And then he says, oh, I've never seen him. You've never seen him. What's up with markers these days? <laughs> and you absolutely look. Where is he going? I mean, and that's where, once again, you brought up my medical field. That's not a... Uh, it, uh, 
side effect of his brain injury you from his think? motorcycle. No, that is something else going on. That is some pre-existing psychologic something that I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's drug-related or he was born with it, but God bless that he is Well, whatever else. it is, I, 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 we need to do an episode on it. Yep. Now Could you imagine do- us sitting here talking about how the color purple is freaky and, and buttered uh, buttered sausage and a whole episode? Just tape it, hit record, do that drug. And just let her fly. Listen, you can keep your butter sausage. I want my honey. I want to kiss on the lips. <laughs> I think it's time for our interview. We are uh, very excited to uh, bring to you an interview with uh, Dustin Rao, the inspiration behind uh, Songs for Soldiers, hence the S's on our drink. But uh, enjoy the interview. All right, Mr. Dustin Rao, how are you doing tonight? Good. Thanks for getting my last name right. A lot of people struggle with that. Anybody in St. Louis does. Really? Row, songs for soldiers. Yeah, every time. <laughs> That's awesome. Except Kent Earhart. He knows it's Row now. <laughs> oh, you had to correct him a couple times, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, he's the best guy ever. He always gets it right. Yeah, Dustin, before we get into the song for soldiers, we want to get to know you. You know, our kind of our main theme here is get to know the person behind the name. A lot of people know, hey, this is Dustin Row. He does songs for soldiers. They may see you up on stage, but we want to get to know who you are, who you become to be, and how you got to be there. And so, you know, kind of leading up to that, you know, let, let's start at the very beginning, you know, going through your middle school, high school. I mean, what, you played sports? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What sports you play? Oh, God, everything. All sports. All <laughs> sports. There we go. All sports. We played three different sports, and coaches loved it at that time. Yeah, not so much the <laughs> select sports. That yeah, yeah, we had a pre pregame discussion. Yeah, yeah. And, and speaking of, it didn't uh, take long. I was, <laughs> I was born from the Virgin Debbie. <laughs> She's a saint. Anyways, she has to be to put up with all those. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Dealing with your dad and then four. That right there, mom boys. already turns it off. Yeah, <laughs> quick, quick done. Yeah, yeah, okay, he's on one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. Born and raised, man. Yeah, speaking of sports, <clears throat> we actually have your middle school basketball coach, my father, John Wernberg, over here. Coach, what do you think about Dustin and his his sports, sports career? Yeah. yeah. Truthfully? Honestly, yeah. <laughs> Speak so, it out. He, I don't know if he'll remember this, but we had a really good team, but nice kids, like mm-hmm. like choir boys. I was like, God, I wish we had some nastiness. All of a sudden, from ICS comes Dustin Rao. I was like, hope he can play. First practice, first drill, he's running down the sideline, trips over his own two feet, and does like a three rollover. I was like, what the hell is this kid? Do you remember nervous. that? I was nervous. Oh, because, my God. Well, see, I was friends with all the, the public school kids before I switched. So it's not like I didn't know anybody. But I knew how you guys were all wearing your cool shirts from 7th grade year of, like, 39 and 1 between 7th grade and 8th grade. And I didn't have one because I came from ICS and we were, like, 8 and 20. And uh, I was nervous, man, because I knew I was like, I'm probably not going to play much on this team at all. But so this is a cool story though. So he was a he was one of our best defensive stoppers, and he was he was nasty. He I mean just like we were hoping, and his motor never stopped. So by the end of the year, championship game, what'd you do? Started. He started. But he, it's just because my best buddy 
my first friend in life, Eric Klein, hurt his ankle. He usually started, and I was like sixth, seventh guy. You know what I mean? I wasn't going to bring that up. Yeah, but no, no, no. I just want to give Eric credit because Eric was a good ball player. Eric was fun, and he was a good. He was a good little scrappy player too. But oh, yeah. he poor guy hurt his ankle. I remember that bad, and I got to go in. Yeah, but he did well, and we won the championship. But I mean, he came as far as a player I've had from day one till the end of the year is just about anybody. Yeah, the only thing I ever got to do of of substance though was when we played Freeburg. They had this really good kid, Jake Bears, right? Is Jake Bears, and coach came up with an idea that I would not play the game other than just follow him around. So even on offense, I followed him. We had the ball, and I just stayed by this guy. The dude just didn't know how to handle it. And I just was a pest. I was just a little asshole. That's a good word. And yeah. I just followed him. And I don't, I just, that's it. Like that's, but he was our was little the, asshole, and we loved him. That's right. <laughs> So any, any upcoming coaches, you can take note right there. You have Coach Wernberg over here, 36 seasons, only three losing seasons out of that 36. And, hey, just follow the guy. Follow the guy around. Yeah. He's holding up a one. What, what? Three. Three. One losing only season? One only losing one. Season. What kind of research yeah. is that? You live with the guy, and then you still don't even know. <laughs> my apologies. Only one losing season out of 36 seasons. That's my bad. That's insane. That is why. That is. That's you want to know the best part that about that wild. season, though? What? Our season? Freeberg, well, that – we had a losing season. Freebird oh. went twenty-five and one, and we gave them their only loss. Really? Yeah, that was fun. Uh, the Steve, Jake Steve's team. Okay. They were scrappy, so that was kind of fun. Coach could get you to feel like a god. He could get you to like run through a wall. You know what I'm saying? So we gelled well, and it wasn't just I didn't play hard. Like well, everyone on our team played really freaking hard, and it was because of you, dude. Yeah. 100%. I've had two boys that have gone through him, and yet I that's can attest just, to that. No doubt about it. There's nobody that's never said that. The yeah. opposite of that. He's blushing. You guys can't see it. Oh, my God. <laughs> the, he's ready to Definitely not the Nick Ultras. All right, so Nick Ultras and blood thinners. <laughs> <laughs> A good old Lipitor. <laughs> Maybe some Cialis. Oh, <laughs> sorry. And it rolls. <laughs> All <laughs> the above. <laughs> I don't know. Did why you ever you... hear that story the night before I had my? Uh, you know, I had my. Oh, Luke block. told it. Luke told me. Well, that's a different story. That's one of the funniest ones ever. Yeah. When I had thought I was having a heart attack in Redbud, and he walked me to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. That, you yeah. Yeah. It sounds story? hilarious so far. That's yeah. what it Just like finish it, dude. <laughs> this is well, I mean, at, at halftime, I went and told Luke. I said, you know, my heart's Jeez. killing me. And I think, I'm seeing stars, and I I think I'm having a heart attack. Luke goes, I got him. He goes, just rest in the the locker room. Luke's my younger brother. Yeah. So I actually went back to fourth quarter. Game ends. And he goes, how you doing? I'm like, man, I'm feeling it again. He goes, we're going to the hospital. He goes, but we don't want to panic the team, so we're going to send them back on the bus. I'm going to walk you to to the Redbud Hospital. Yeah, a little hospital right there. Really? So I call Laurie on the phone. I said, honey, I'm having some chest pains. I said, I'm going to the hospital. She goes, okay, like, is the ambulance taking where to Mercy or Belleville? I go, no. I said, we're going to Redbud. She goes, you are not going to Redbud Hospital. I'm like, yep. She goes, turn the car around. And I said, she goes, get uh, Mercy or Belleville. She wanted him to die on the way to see. <laughs> and I, and I, and I That's go, exactly what it was. well, I can't do that because we're walking. She goes, you're walking to the hospital and you have chest pains. I'm like, 
Colin, this episode brought to you by Redbud Hospital. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, dude, they got that billboard. They only three got a three minute wait. <laughs> three minute wait time. <laughs> he was able to hold out yeah. for three minutes. Yeah. Luckily, it wasn't a four minute walk. Yeah, Coach Weber got a heart attack here. But that's, that's it, correct me if I'm wrong. There was another thing in that story. They asked so, you. Have you Luke? Luke tells him he's my son. He goes, "I want to be here with my dad," so he lets me into the. Because they wouldn't let him in. Right, they wouldn't right. let him into the room, so they're getting ready to put me on all sorts of stuff. And he goes, well, "I have to ask you, <laughs> have you taken like any ED medicine?" With that, Luke loses it. I mean, he's laughing uncontrollably, and I was like, "Oh my God!" They're like, "Sir, you're gonna have to leave the room. Are you sure you're his son too?" <laughs> Please tell me you did not take a boner pill before an eighth grade basketball game. I did not. They okay. asked me. Okay, I'll do that. Oh, okay. All right. Just, we were going to have to disqualify 300 of those wins if you Yeah, did. there goes every winning season. <laughs> Get him a Sandusky bumper sticker. <laughs> and we were Gus. <laughs> This one's good now. For anyone that does hear this, this is not going to be good. I walked into this garage thinking, am I going to get hurt? Am I going to get assaulted? This is, there's going to be no substance to this podcast, but it'll be fun. Uh, Yeah. Oh, that's all we do. That's all we do is have fun here. So after 20 minutes getting back on track here, Dustin. So after your, your high school, you joined the service, you joined the army. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what was that, what made you make that change? What made you that decision? Okay, so I'll, I'll be very quick. You know, don't have to be quick. Okay. Tell us at all. That's what there was, <clears throat> back to eighth grade, I hate that I keep getting rooted in this. It's going to lead to other stories. But like, uh, whenever I do speaking engagements, I kind of stick to like this timeline I follow. And it's so weird because I can vividly remember about three or four major premonitions as kids, as a kid, um, that have happened and like come true, you know. And then other things have started uh, premonitions, and they all just keep happening, right? So, uh, and so my very earliest premonition of of being in the military or of a war of some kind was in 1990-91 time frame when we were in the first Gulf War. Of course, I was only seven, you know. But uh, a lot of Friday nights, I would stay at my grandparents' house and because um, my parents uh, were in a bowling league. But I kept having little brothers, so I'm not sure they were ever at bowling. <laughs> <laughs> but whatever. Either way, I was at grandma's house. Months. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They bowled every nine months, every other year. But anyways, uh, I remember uh, being with my grandpa Bittner, Ralph Bittner, and grandma, and they lived in, in Maystown. And so uh, the invasion, <clears throat> or the liberation of Kuwait, because at that time in 91, you know, Saddam Hussein sent troops down into Kuwait, take the country, and we obviously liberated them from Saudi Arabia. And <clears throat> it was the first thing, I know Vietnam had some war footage, that was the first time that people saw, which is why it was so unpopular, you know, it was the first time this shit was playing out and on people had a feel for it uh, and I remember sitting at the uh, the kitchen table on a Friday night after dinner and remember the roll the, remember the carts remember all grandparents had the TV in the kitchen oh, yeah. a cart you could roll it wherever you yeah. wanted with the bunny ears and just watching it and I remember watching specifically I remember the terminology tomahawk missiles 
taken off from all the ships out in the Persian Gulf. And, and I remember seeing the troops going over the border. And I was like, I just was entranced as like a seven-year-old. And not necessarily to the fighting, killing part of it. I remember specifically, too, in the broadcast talking about how they, the Red Cross was already there because all these Kuwaitis were rolling out, you know, and we needed to have a lot of supplies. That was my first premonition of thinking, there's, I'm going to have some kind of experience in this. Fast forward to our eighth grade field trip. Um, we used to go to Washington, D.C. and mm -hmm. Philly and Baltimore. And I saw the, we saw the World Trade Centers, you know, uh, New York City. We were at the reflection pool. And that was, I graduated in eighth grade probably in 98, I think, 99. And if you guys all remember, Forrest Gump came out in 1993. And I remember watching Forrest Gump illegally because uh, I wasn't <laughs> supposed to because I heard Jenny's boobs were showing. My mom wouldn't let me watch it. So Jason Biet let me borrow his VHS <laughs> and it was a summer afternoon and they were all gone. So I watched Forrest Gump and I still to this day think it's the best movie ever made. Oh, yeah. And But the Vietnam scene, I was like, just suck into it. I'm like, what the hell's going on here? Whatever. So then we go to Washington, D.C. And um, uh, me and my, it was just me and my mom at night at the reflection pool. And we had just come out of a very surreal feeling of being at the Vietnam Wall Memorial at night. It's a freaking vibe there. Not good, not bad, not, it's just real. It's tangible. And I remember being at the reflection pool thinking about Jenny running through the water, you know, Forrest giving his speech. And I was like, God, and I remember asking my mom as we got back on the, the, the bus, what are you going to do if I have to go to a war? And she just dismissed it, which is fine. He's an eighth grader saying, I just felt it, you know. And then in high school, I just remember being a junior in high school working at Emo's, and there was like this Linkin Park song that got me fired up. And I was like, I, I don't really have, I was not a good student. But I was like never mean to teachers and stuff. I just didn't get good grades and I goofed off a lot. But I was never really mean to people. I just didn't know what the hell I wanted to do, to be honest with you. And I thought, you know, the Army's, I've always wanted to, I'm going to do it. So I joined in June 2001 with my parents' signature. So the military offers a, a program called the Delayed Entry Program. So with parent signatures, you can sign up at 17. Your senior year counts as a year uh, towards your enlistment. And, um, you know, that's why not. If you know you're going to do it, you should do it. But I also just thought reserves would be perfect. You know, one week in a month, two weeks a year, get a little college money, figure it out from there. And then like three months later, I was a senior in high school and walked into Mr. Nail's class, government class, and watched literally the first building was on fire at 9-11. Uh, and then the second, we were all just sitting there watching the first building thinking, oh, plane hit it. That's crazy. Accident. And then bam, in real time. I was like, holy shit, I joined the military. I'm fucked. <laughs> like, whoops. Sure. But also not being, or not feeling like that at all, though, either. Like, I felt really like, all right, I already got a foot in the door. I'm ready to, I felt really proud. I, I did. And, um, but I knew, man, I knew it. I was like, even the reserves, I just got this feeling some shit's coming down the pipe. Sure. And then so I did basic, did all that stuff. Sure enough, got deployed to go to, for the original invasion of Iraq in 2003 deployed for like six months but never went overseas went home for three or four months um and then got called back to do all the training to go again as a reservist back on active duty and then finally um in 2000 uh 2004 went to iraq so we got over there in um late january early february of 2004 and ended up spending 13 months there so 
Um, you know, that's how I ended up there. But that's a long story. I just knew I was going to do it. I think that's what I meant to say. <laughs> yeah. See, I can't do short answers. We don't like short answers anyway, so that's mm. perfect. So, in 2004, whenever you're over there, you're part of the 724th Transport Company yep. escorting American Sylvian driver fuel yep. co convoys. Yep. And you rode in Humvees and ATVs guarding the fuel convoys? Um, yeah, not ATVs. That would been crazy. Uh, we were in, like, um, armored Humvees. We armored up deuce and a half military trucks. Um, and, like, basically, you can't just send, like, fuel convoys down the road, you know, in a combat situation. So we would put a lead vehicle up front with a, the convoy commander and a gunner up top, run four fuel, vehicle, uh, fuel trucks, run, like, 25, 50-meter intervals, you know, in between everybody, and then another gun truck, so on and so forth, 26 vehicles typically, sometimes 30. <clears throat> and um, uh, we were armed escorts, and American civilians, um, contractors, drove like Volvo fuel trucks, not armed, not armored. So stupid. But our job was just to get them to where they needed to go. Uh, and like whenever we would get attacked, it wasn't to like stay and fight, just fight out of it. You know, then call on QRF, Quick Reactionary Force, let you, let you know what happened or whatever. But yeah, that was the gig. So like <clears throat> how many times did you do that before, you know, I mean, was this all day, every day that you escorted these, well, these trucks? Well, when I got to Iraq in February 2004, um, it was a pretty quiet situation still. Um, you know, we had taken Baghdad, not me, but, you know, the U.S., like in April of 2003. Uh, and so when we got there, you know, we were thinking, like, oh, let's go. Some dumb young soldiers, like, drinking Kool-Aid, you know, like, fight! And it was, like, quiet. Like, our first six weeks, maybe seven, eight weeks. Like, just nothing happened. Like, and I remember thinking, like, we're, we're going to fight, you know. <laughs> and then, man, in April 2004, like, I think the Iraqi people had just had enough of no improvements in their life. We totally blew it, dropped the ball as a whole. Like, not, we should have been putting infrastructure in place. We should have been doing a lot of shit. And it just all came to a boil boiling point um and in april 2004 if you remember um there was about seven or eight american soldiers that were guarding a prison in abu Ghraib. and back then even in 2004 we had kodak box cameras that's how we took photos over there you know or a sony handycam there was it didn't have this didn't have iphones i had an at&t phone card and you went to the phone bank to call home that's how fast you know technology's come but these dumb shits like took a bunch of pictures of Iraqi soldiers, like, made them get naked, made them, like, do cheerleading pyramids and all this shit, and, of course, it went viral. And this is even before Facebook, but still went across the news and all that stuff. And, man, that was it. I mean, like a match overnight from hardly any attacks happening around the country, occasional IED, uh, roadside bomb, to holy shit. Like, they just locked down the roads. And that's when we just ended up getting into the biggest mess of our lives, pretty much. So... All convoy travel is completely suspended throughout Iraq, except for fuel convoys, apparently, right? Yeah, because we went from just, like, sitting around, and not just us. We were always escorting fuel convoys, but, like, the tanks and infantry were just kind of there running patrols to fighting again because these militias were just popping up everywhere, you know? And so had to, like, retake neighborhoods, 
when way worse fighting than the evasion you know so all the mechanized units needed fuel and they just sent us no matter what yeah so. and, and, and so what's been called the uh the good friday massacre mm-hmm. as has i've been told i mean you've been quoted in a previous interview that the mission felt terrible from the beginning i mean you had 26 trucks escort fuel trucks 40 miles to baghdad to the international airport mm-hmm. i mean there was also intel that they said that you were going to get attacked and there was also an email saying that you guys should go a different way but you guys had never gotten the email the dude accidentally cc'd it to himself yeah you know the convoy commanders have a at that we i can't remember the name of the gps system we used but they could email uh, the first vehicle and last vehicle the assistant convoy commander and convoy commander had like a essentially like a computer like like you see in police officers cars stuff like that and so yeah we there's two ways yeah so the night before that mission three days before that we had gotten our first quick little mm-hmm. firefight very very quick very very quick um and my buddy russell killed a couple guys and i remember it was really weighing on him i fired my weapon down an alley at some some dudes but i guarantee you i didn't hit anybody i was just shitting my pants you know and so like but it was just real and it was very real it was so real that we went to like in front of like high up dudes at our base say what happened because this was so new even though we'd been there a year and then the next one was bad. So I was in first platoon. Second platoon was tasked with going to Baghdad for an emergency fuel run the next day, Good Friday. And so they pulled a f- two, uh, four of us from first platoon, and I think a couple guys from third. Yeah, I think they did. And put us, and we we doubled our ammo. This was all the night before. Uh, got told we're going to get hit, just fight through it. And it's just like, like you can't sleep you know what I mean and then for the first time ever as I mentioned earlier civilians drove the, the fuel trucks so this time to make the, mil- the, the enemy quote unquote think that it was a full military convoy they put civilian contractors in army fuel trucks and then made us not me I, I was in a gun truck still that mission but made other soldiers from our unit ride with them absolutely stupid you know i'm sorry yeah but like that is dumb benefit of hindsight that is so stupid you know what i mean and it's just anyone we lost was in a civilian truck really you know and so yeah we uh did this mission it just it was a hot good friday the sun looked weird it just felt weird it felt horrible i was like shaking you know, was it like a movie? I mean, it when, was. When you woke up, you knew something was I didn't going wake on. Wake up! I didn't sleep. Like okay. it was just like it was just. We knew it, and it was just weird. And I just remember thinking, man, I just kept moving forward, you know. But it's like the weirdest pit in my stomach. You know what I'm saying? And so, got out of our gate, drove down through a little suburb of Baghdad, which was in between us and our camp, as you said, like 40 miles from Baghdad. Went through Taji. And what was so weird was like there was just no civilian traffic. Even they were just tripped up because shit was hitting the fan everywhere. So even they weren't on the roads. I was like, this is so bad. And so when you get down to Baghdad, you can either take the western route, which is um, was Camp uh, Route Sword, to go a little bit of a suburb, then the backside of Bayop, Baghdad International Airport, sorry. Or you could go through central Baghdad, Route Iris, which was always dangerous. But there was a massive fight between the Mahadi militia 
and our cavalry units on sword, the western route. So CENTCOM or whoever emailed us to take route Irish. But I think the way I understand it, only CC'd himself. So we never got the email. Our Captain, uh, Lieutenant Brown never got the email. So we just drove into it. And we made that right turn onto route sword, kind of just like a cloverleaf like you see at 270 and 64. You know what I mean? Um, and uh, weren't on that too long. And we saw some burnt out fuel trucks that had clearly been hit a day before. And just started seeing shit from a couple days before, like, ugh. And then I was the eighth vehicle, and I was driving a bobtail truck with a little bit of steel on my door. And my buddy Craig McDermott was in a 50 cal turret above me, with no steel around him except for on the back. Because we had just, we just skunk worked our vehicles because we didn't have armor. And you know, so we built it ourselves. And so, uh, being the eighth vehicle, we heard like a thud, like a thud. And then I remember driving past a tank, and like the guys in the tank were like, they were out of the turret, or standing out the turret, like looking at us like, what the fuck are you guys doing? You know what I mean? Like almost, they weren't waving, they're just like, what? I remember looking at them thinking, oh shit. And then I heard, small arms fire, small arms fire, left, 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 left. You know, and I could hear the gunshots coming through my, the radio. And I was like, oh God, you know, it's just the worst. And then it wasn't a matter of time, we started taking small arms, heavy small arms fire from the left. IEDs, and so there was just this road was a disaster, and Lieutenant Brown was hit. That first IED that I thought I heard took him out, didn't kill him, but knocked him out. And his driver, Specialist Church, um, fortunately had only been his driver, so knew the routes, right? And Church looked over. I'll never forget. And there's a documentary about this that was on the military channel. If anybody's interested, I a link up or something sure absolutely, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. but looked over and Lieutenant Brown will tell you he remembers putting it to cover his eye but his hand went up underneath his forehead skin and he just it and smoked him hit the vehicle but he had taken debris or whatever and he kind of went down you know and so ended up losing his eye but he did live or whatever but so church then 21 22 year old specialist was now leading us through this wow um and later became, I'll get to it, but the first Army Reservist to win a Silver Star since Vietnam. And so, long story short, so we get into it, taking heavy fire from the left, and when you do that, basically uh, my job is to drive. And when Craig's reloading, just shoot out my window. <laughs> just, just keep it loud, right? And then he gets back on it. And um, I just, it's so funny, because the only reason I can tell the whole story in full admitted you know I'm just admitting this is because I've seen the documentary I've talked to my friends a million times the story's been well documented it ended up being pretty much the worst attack on a supply convoy in the history of post 9-11 wars and so I, I have a lot of perspective so I know how to tell the story but for me personally I can remember like five things from it and that was just like getting into it Craig going nuts starting to see fuel trucks like look like uh, cheese shredders were like little fuel popping out right um and one thing that was different was like it was you know 90 degrees you know april baghdad full sun and that jp8 fuel was getting on the road and it was turning into a total black ice situation so it's not like we could just go in and get out because there was burnt out trucks they had put shit in the road we couldn't get it was not normal it was a full-blown attack you know and um with that being said 
we just kept fighting through it, you know, and um, and just drove through this one. I just my second flashpoint was just like seeing a burning truck, driving through the smoke, hoping I wouldn't hit anything on the other side. Get feel the fire from that truck, and um, and then that's my second flashpoint. My third flashpoint was like up ahead. There was an overpass, and I was like, "Holy shit!" There goes Church's vehicle. Church is going over the overpass. Now we're going to drive into this shit that we're taking it from. Well, he had seen that the road was blocked. I, I couldn't see that far. It was total blackout smoke. If you Google images from that, I mean, it looked, it just blacked out Western Baghdad because of all the burning diesel trucks. And so I saw Church. I was like, holy shit, what's he doing? Then I got up there and I totally saw the tanker that was blocking the road. It wasn't one of ours. It was something from previous. So we drove down through like a drainage ditch and got onto an outer road just like we have here. And I uh, came around. My next flashpoint was coming around the cloverleaf. I don't think it was a truck in front of me, but the truck in front of him. Sliding off the road and just watching the diesel truck roll down it. And then like, coming to a restaurant at head and not seeing anything moving. Well, if we would have stopped, we would have just been stuck. Absolutely. So then my next flashpoint was like coming over the overpass to follow everybody. And then we started sliding off of it. And I was like, we're going to go off the other side. And I was like, oh, fuck. And for some reason, the truck grabbed. And we kept it on the road. And then we were coming over that overpass. And it was like a three-mile kill zone. We were going about five miles an hour, maybe ten. So we were probably, at this point, two into it, two and a half. And that was when Craig had done went through like a thousand rounds, uh, 50 cal rounds. I was about probably down to one or two mags. And I was like, I think this is it. You know, this is... I remember consciously thinking, just actually thinking it was so heavy that I was like, just do it now. I was like, just fuck. It's, it's why I drag it out. It's just ready for it to hit me. You know what I'm saying? Um, and about that time of feeling totally screwed, like, I looked to my left, and there was so much smoke. Normally by that point, if you're the eighth truck out of 26, you see a bunch of trucks behind you. I couldn't see nobody. There was the one or two behind me. That was it. I was like, but we also couldn't see what was going on because of the smoke. And then I look forward and like way down this main street road that we had to drive through where they were getting attacked from, I thought I saw like M1 Abram tanks, our guys. I was like, whoa, you know. And we just barreled down us six trucks and just drove through it, fought through it. It got to these vehicles, got to these M1 Abrams. They're waving us around. We turned the corner of a city block. And they sent us to the right. I did see church, the first vehicle, go left. But they sent us to the right to this like this old dairy farm warehouse that they had semi-secured. Because they were trying to take back the city. Uh, we, you know, that we had. And, but they were quickly waving us into this little street, this little dairy thing. And I looked to my left, and I saw church dragging Lieutenant Brown out of the vehicle. I was like, oh, shit, LT's killed. But there was really no time to even think about that. And we got there. It was like six of us trucks. And everybody was hit, except for me and Craig. So we just started helping bandage guys up. You know, the cab guys pulled in. They sent a, not an Abram, but they sent a, um, a Bradley fighting vehicle. We loaded all those guys up, got them out. But there was no room for the rest of us, so we stayed in this milk factory. But once the guys were gone is when it really hit. So like, oh, every, where's everybody? You know, and we're just trying to piece it together. Well, that was kind of the end of our day, you know. Church 
had turned left to get LT some medical help. Um, and then had told the cab, like, dude, there's like 20 more trucks. We got to go back. And they're like, no, dude, it's way too hot. You can't, you cannot go. And uh, he's like, fuck it. So he just took his Humvee and his gunner and they went back in. Is that right? Mm-hmm. They went right back in. And then the calf, the way I understand it, was like, fuck, this dude's crazy. They went with him. So Church got way out ahead of him, went back through the convoy, just picking up dudes hiding under their trucks, civilians, and our fellow soldiers. Like, you know, Humvee fits four people and one in the gunner. And he actually, my buddy Lamar, who's a St. Louis boy, was also with me in it. He was the last vehicle. So him and Sergeant Groff, the assistant convoy commander, had a Humvee full of people because they were just slowly putting up through it. Their truck was, their Humvee was about to go down because it took too many rounds, you know, whatever. And um, about the time they thought they were fucked, Church got in the window. Hey, you guys need a ride? Like a movie. You know, he had a good Humvee. The cab had followed him. And Sergeant Groff and, and Lamar had picked up, you know, 10 or 11 guys. They, they get him in. They're once again just packed to the rim. So Church stays out there. Him and I believe his gunner's name was, I think it was Pels. They stayed out there until they could get it right back. Um, and then I think, I think actually I think they, they fought, I think they stayed in a Humvee but followed the cab. But they had one of our buddies that we lost that day, Goodrich, had gotten in, they saved Goodrich, they got him in the vehicle, but then Goodrich took a round right above his chest, um, his plate, and it came through the window and got hit in the Humvee oh, wow. and bled out on church. And so these guys show up to the metal. And we're like, oh. I mean, I've, I just never seen so much blood. Church looked like that dude, Mel Gibson from Braveheart. Like he was just soaked in Goodrich's blood. And I just remember thinking it's so vivid, you know? And so, but he literally, um, yeah, saved like 12 dudes and eventually got the Silver Star. That's you know, amazing. A year or two later, so you're right. That, that's that that's a story always worth telling, you know. Um, and so when it was all said and done that day, you know, I was one of six trucks out of 26 to make it through it. And I was, me and Craig were the only truck that didn't have dead or wounded in it. And, you know, we ended up losing Goodrich. Um, Sergeant Cross, we never found him. They found his remains later. He was burnt up in a truck. Um, and then our buddy, Matt Maupin, we, he was still missing. Um, sure enough, a few, few days later, Al Jazeera released a, vi- a video of you know him at gunpoint. And at that time, that was happening with hot, never an American, but like it was happening. So they had him. Um, so then it became really big news. Um, and all the while, you know, local or news stations back home were saying so the fourth is in this huge thing and all this smoke and fire everywhere and. So all of our families back home saw that and then didn't hear from a bunch of us till Easter Sunday. So it was just a real freaking debacle. You what, know? what was that phone call like, home? Uh, I called, it had to be early, because I called during the day on Easter. So it had to be really early. So if we got attacked on Good Friday at noon, I remember it, that would have been 3 a.m. here. And my mom woke up sick to her stomach. It's just weird, all this mm. stuff, you know? Without even knowing, without even turning the TV sure. on, right? Um, it was good. It was good. I didn't really know what to say. I was like, I'm alive. Yeah. I mean, but they enough. flew us back to our base because we didn't have any vehicles. So um, then fast forward to June, you know, there was a, another video that came out of 
execution video of Matt being shot, but it was really dark, grainy, you know. I, I think all of us thought it was him. It looked like him. Um, I hope for the sake of his remains not being found until 2008, it was him, and he wasn't held captive for right. longer, right? But, um, yeah, they finally found his remains like three years after we got home. But that was only in the third month of our tour, so we had another, you know, nine to go. And nothing of that scale happened. But we still had plenty more shit happen. Nobody else got killed, but we had guys lose fingers and legs blown out and a bunch more shit happened. A lot more firefights and IEDs and shit. So it was crazy. So how 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 on on your toes I mean what what does that do to change you know, where you were like, oh, I want to fight. You know, where's the fight? No, where's the fight? I had, I had, you... dude, I had a phase where I was like, I was shaking to go back out on the road. I'm not even going to try to fake it, like, or lie about it. I was scared shitless to go back out. But we went back out three or four days later. Oh, my. But this time, we had to get to the Marines out in Fallujah and Ramadi area. And the Marines didn't fuck around. They sent four Humvees for the front of us, four additional Humvees for the back of us, and a Huey and a Cobra. Dudes are mental. <laughs> Sure enough, man, we got it. We got hit right away. A white vehicle came by. Every time an IED would hit our vehicle, we'd see a white Tahoe's going the other way. For some reason, the fighters had these white Chevy Tahoe's. And I'll never forget, the convoy commander was like, light that vehicle up. And we all did. And then I remember thinking right afterwards, like, God, fuck. I hope. And sure enough, like, the last guy to come out of the window had a gun. I was like, oh, good. Like, glad it wasn't wrong. Right. Does that make sense? Sure, absolutely. That's the shit that haunts people. Sure. Right, and so, right away, first first mission, just that shit happened. I'm like, God damn it. But then, you know what? I got really, weirdly, psychotically used to it. And ended up doing about as many missions in our unit as anybody. I just I hated sitting around. Just kept going on them. And then ended up becoming a gunner myself, so. Really? Just, just the way it was. Wow. So much so that by the end of it, I didn't want to even come home. I was like, fuck, I'm good at this. Like, I'm just going to stay here. Well, yeah, that's, uh, that's what I wanted. But I wanted to come home. <laughs> I do. Yeah. Common sense prevailed, and I got on that fucking plane. But, yeah, it was a crazy year, for sure. And I was only, um, 20, I think I turned 20 there, halfway through it. So. I, I and, and just the immaturity now that I think of an 18 or 19-year-old I mean, it's more than growing up. I mean, that just completely changes you as a human being. Yeah, it does. Uh, it, it, you eventually kind of get presented with either this is going to eat at you and not be pleasant or, or you're going to find a way to move past it. But I always say this because I don't know if it's talked about much. And again, I just kind of mentioned it. I, the only reason I can tell that April my story in such vivid detail is because of the, all the document, the documentary and hearing all of it so many times, I know what happened. But with that being said, I really think the reason why I'm okay is because I can't remember it. So in that day and all the other firefights that happened after that, we were fully engaged. You know, I was always on a 240 Bravo machine gun. Uh, some firefights would rip off three or 400 rounds. So... But I can only remember flashpoints. You know, I can't ever remember seeing. My brain just doesn't let me see it. And I, I used to feel really guilty about it that I wasn't messed up. I just now, I, 
39, I'm just like, that's just my brain keeping me all right. Absolutely. Yeah. And I for love sure. it. Like, I'm grateful for it. I hope it just stays that way. Because, like, I can just, I can just remember the first RPG that goes past. I remember fighting. I remember tracers. I, I remember guns jamming. I remember fixing guns. I remember shooting more. But just, I can't. And I'm really great. I just, I just admittedly, I, I can't sit here and tell you something. Yeah, I saw that guy go down. No. And I used to think that I wasn't. I think it's a good thing. I think guys that are okay, for some reason, their brains do that. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Because the guys that you've remember, got, you know, it, it, it's a blessing in disguise. It really sure. is. I, yeah. It's and it's, this isn't this isn't anything just to soldiers, uh, police officers, firefighters. You guys all see really bad shit, and like it's just how your brain processes it, and it's just genetic fate. <laughs> There's no yeah. magic pill. It's not because I'm any better. I'm just right. lucky. Just 100 percent lucky. Yeah, definitely. And whenever I have people tell me that, you know, you could get all this from the VA, you, you know, after that, you should be messed up. I always jokingly say, I was fucked up before I went. <laughs> I can't put this on Uncle Sam, man. I, I did all these dumbass pranks that I did over there before I went. I went over there corrupted. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Corrupted other people. I can't, I can't go claim a VA disability. I was screwed up from the word go. But having <laughs> all the connections and the, the friendships with, with veterans, I mean, is there enough out there to help these guys... Yeah, forget to to help them go tackle. I mean, is there enough help out uh, there? I just again, it's just an individual thing. Yeah. it's nobody's fault. Yeah, um, that guy, Church, who won the Silver Star, you know, when they found Matt's remains three years later, the military put him on a promotional tour. When we got home, he went and spoke to all these new troops and did all this shit. With that comes hotels. With that comes dinners and beers. They pay for everything. And he just started drinking and started doing all kinds of shit. And when we all went to Cincinnati, where Matt was from, where they found his remains in 2008, because when they did send his remains home, they did his, his funeral was on the Cincinnati Reds pitching mound. I mean, they, they rolled it out for him, rightfully so. And we saw a church, and I was like, dude, he's dead. He's alive right now, but he's a disaster. Yeah. And we were all staying at the same hotel. There was a prom there. He said something. He, he was, it wasn't. He's a good dude. He just was fucking out of his mind. And I just figured, okay, this is the last time I'm going to see this guy alive. And it wasn't until 2019 I was over. And I knew he was a St. Louis boy. There's four of us in that unit from St. Louis. The rest were from, like, middle of Illinois, Pennsylvania, Florida, everywhere, Michigan. And I was in an express at uh, South County Mall because I had to get a suit. For something I had to go to that night. I was just sitting there waiting for them to get me a shirt that fits me or something. I looked over, I was like, dude, I think that's Jeremy Church. I was like, no, it can't be. He looked great. You know, and he was with this woman and doing sign language with her. She was deaf. I was like, Fuck. And finally he's just like, Ralph? I was like, dude! And man He looked great. He looked great. That's awesome. He looked so great. And he was sober and clean and married this lady who learned sign language because she was deaf and we just dude it made my it was unbelievable that's awesome lives in a quiet little place 40 you know uh, down 55 just keeps to himself I was like fuck he's just doing it you know and then this past April first form uh, supplements here in town we hosted we came up with a workout in Matt's honor and CrossFit made it a national uh, international hero wad called the Moppin 
at First Form. I do, uh, they sponsor Shams for Soldiers, and I do a bunch of work for them for my event company. And they hosted the mop in at First Form. And they're like, bring your buddies. And so I brought Church. I brought Lamar, the guy who was in the last time we were the St. Louis boys. And First Form just rolled out the carpet, man. They gave really? them lockers at the, at the gym, gave them rucksacks, t- tours. We, they, they spoke. We all talked before we all, me and all the, all the employees did the mopping. And he just got treated like a brother. So I saw him again just a few months ago. That's great. He's just still doing good. That's great. That's doing awesome. good, yeah. That was really cool. Uh, uh, happy story, finally. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because I thought he was toast. Yeah. Sorry. That was... My no. Oh, that, that's what... Yeah. Yeah, that's what that's we were here yeah. for. Yeah. So, let, let's get into your, your first benefit, which started at Tiny's, the, the parking lot of Tiny's, mm-hmm. and it actually benefited Autism Speaks. So yeah. So it even started as Song for Soldiers. No, no. So, like, I was, um, I, I got home from the war, got a good job at the city, and did that. But I was always a musician, so I was always played in bands. And then, you know, ended up getting a tour with some band. It was fun. Um, but we would always, our band, me and Scott Harris, the band would always play one, instead of playing a bunch of shows in Columbia, we decided to play one show and just make it some kind of benefit. And so, yeah, we, uh, 2009, 2009, mm-hmm. and you were big with Autism Speaks, so we yeah. thought of you, and yeah, we just got, borrowed a trailer from like a local farmer and put a band on it, and another Columbia boy who's now my full-blown electrician for Songstress Builders, and like my brother, Jason Pulse, we wired it, you know, we built all these lights on it, and yeah, so we started just doing a thing called Tiny's Fest, and I think the second year we did it, we did it, um, unfortunately, I think that was the year that the Coleman tragedy happened. So we put money, we, we had the funds go to that. And then the third year, oh, when that F5 tornado hit Joplin. Mm-hmm. So we, we saved the money and took it to, I think, four or five firefighters that lost their homes. We drove it down there at Christmas time just gave them cash, you know, go get Christmas gifts or whatever. And then the fourth year, um, Tyler Dillon, you know, one of your former students, local guy, uh, his mom's now a huge part of our 10-person team that pulls this concert off all year long. Um, had a pretty aggressive form of testicular cancer. So they knew we had done this thing, so his family reached out, hey, would you want to, you know, they all, you know, Debbie, they all got good jobs, but, like, these medical bills are piling up. Like, yeah, let's do it for Tyler. At that point, a bunch of the Songs for Soldiers ladies now that are part of the, the team um, jumped on, and so instead of just doing a concert, we had ladies helping barbecue, and they made cool T-shirts. And so we did it, and I think we raised, gosh, over $10,000 for Debbie and Ty, and it was like 900 people at Tiny's in the back parking lot. I was like, this is a little out of control. And uh, not long after that, that was in October, somewhere around April or uh, May or April of 2013, I was just on my little happy ass mowing out at the city park. I could show you the bench. And it like, like a meteor flying out of the sky, I was like, it's all for soldiers. I was like, we should do the next one and make it towards veterans. And then my first thought was, all right, cool, yeah, let's have combat veterans. So much more so just, okay, we'll help four veterans, we'll, hence the name, okay, came up with the name. Then I had to go to my best friend, Donnie, at Tiny's. Because even though we raised a bunch of money, he also sold beer and food, too. I didn't want to just, like, take all this business from Donnie. Yeah. I was like, Donnie, I got an idea. We should, I want to do this. I'm going to move it to Schnook's Marketplace parking lot. And I was like, but I don't want to screw you, man. He's like, no, you should do that. That sounds wonderful. Absolutely go for it. And then I downloaded the uh, 
501c well i was gonna just raise the money and give it to a combat veteran charity but at that point i was pretty immersed in, in, in veteran issues because i'd done lost another friend to suicide i really started paying attention i just kind of had to grow up a little bit too i came home early 20s money saved good job and pretty much let it rip for six or seven years and so um uh you know i was starting to grow up a little bit and um you know i was good at the time i'll just name drop them wounded warriors was really fucking off bad and like they were at like 60% of their money coming in was going to it and their CEO was jumping off billions into these team meetings and shit. And I was like, man, I just want to make sure the money actually gets spent on real human beings. So I downloaded the 501c3 packet off of uh, IllinoisState.gov and <laughs> you might as well have put something in Japanese in front of me. Absolutely. I, like, I don't fucking know what this means. And Catherine Evans, you remember her? She's oh, yeah. a lawyer. I was like, you know what this shit is? <laughs> and she filled it out for me. And I just drove to Springfield, handed it to this lady. I had my son Aiden with me. I was like, she came back, she's like, there you go, you're a charity. I was like, oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do a show in four months. And so we did it. We did our first Songs for Soldiers ever, September 15th, I think it was. For, September 14th, 2013 at Marketplace. And just had cover bands. And we did it. We, we raised like $15,000 and helped four veterans, as we said we would. And my whole thought was, all right, when the money's out, we'll just do that again next year, wrap it up. Well, the next year, I had all these businesses like, hey, we'll sponsor that. So I was like, okay. And so I had more money, and so I got a bigger stage and a big video wall. And one thing I think Songs for Soldiers did in, in, in such a cool way that helped other groups around, like, Waterloo and Columbia see the potential of video. We started making videos of veterans, and we started showing videos at the show. And I think we were like the first ones to do that. And now I see everybody doing it. It's great. And, a good, and I don't mean that in a cocky way. No, no, no. Every, sure. Everybody it, picked up on it. The videos. It makes good it personal. Videos. And, yes. Right, right. Whatever it is you're into. Um, and man, everybody, it's so cool to see everybody doing that now. And so the second year I had more money. So we had a big stage and videos. So I think we raised $30,000. I think we helped 16 or 17 veterans. The next year we moved to the city park for the first time ever. They let us do it, and uh, at first the city's like, you can't. There's a bequeath agreement between the city and the Bolm Schufkraft family. When that land was gifted to the city, there was a bequeath, not a bequeath, um, <laughs> in there that said, you can't charge anybody to have, you can't charge anything to use this park. And I was like, damn, so you can't do an event, right? And so we, our first year moving to the park, we had to do a suggested donation to get around it. And the city was like, you know, we just danced it. And then like something else came up for the city for some other thing. And the city attorney was back reading this agreement. And this guy calls me like six months after our first show at the park. Dude, I just found something in this city agreement with Bohm Shoecraft that you, you can only charge something if it benefits soldiers and sailors. And this is back in the early 1900s. Really? That's what it was called back Never then. Heard that. There was no Air Force. Soldiers and sailors. That's all that we had. Yeah. So we literally were, or any veteran thing was the only thing that That's you could crazy. actually charge a price for. So then we obviously charged tickets. So we did another year out there. And then our fifth year out there um, is when we went to two nights. We brought Brett Michaels in, which was super cool. And then the second year we went with country artists and Granger Smith and Diamond Rio. And then the next year we went with. 38 special we want two headliners each night 38 special and Jordan Davis and Chris Schiffer from the Foo Fighters yep. 
and then the next year was the year off, <laughs> 2020, <laughs> and, you know, yeah, and then, COVID. yeah, and then, gosh, Night Ranger, Josh Turner, Alexander K. You hit tonic, low cash tonic, Everclear stir. Yep. So, so, but how do you get from having Dazed and Confused play in the back of Tiny's to calling these bands, to calling their agents, to getting the light shows and, and the stage hands and the? I mean, how 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 did you learn all this stuff? I don't know. I just when I was a kid, I remember going to my first wrestling show. With my dad took us all to the wrestling show over at Enterprise Man, or Keel Center. Mm-hmm. And I remember like watching the show. It was awesome. Kane and Shawn Michaels are fighting. This is great. But I remember I couldn't stop staring at like all the the lighting rigged from the ceiling. I was so entranced with the shows, like not just the the dude playing the guitar or the wrestler, like the lights. And I just would stare at the ceiling. How the hell did they rig that? Oh, I see. You know. And so I just like always. So when I would get home from wrestling, I would move a panel of drop ceiling in the basement and take yarn and, and I would four square Christmas lights to drop in stadium lighting over my wrestlers <laughs> and my ring and then I had the entrance music in my boombox and I hit play and Shawn Michaels came in and then in the summertime I'd shoot fireworks behind Shawn Michaels coming in like outside SummerSlam outside I just always like making shit like shows and I like playing music I don't know I think I just like had something in there and I just met the right people in the St. Louis industry and started creating shit I just like curious and I just always try to think of something fun, more fun, and more fun. Yeah. And um, we've added fireworks, and, you know, this year we got a cool surprise. I was wait. It's going to be really awesome. But while my band's playing Thunderstruck, something really badass is going to happen. <laughs> Can't wait. Great. Can't wait. I'll just say this. It required an FAA license. Oh, boy. Oh, you, oh boy. you know it's going to be good, though. <laughs> yeah. You know it's going to be good. I don't know, dude. It's just organically. And the one thing I think Songs for Soldiers has done correctly as a team, is we've grown properly. We didn't just do what we do now in the second year. We've gotten to this point very organically, and as more sponsorship dollars allow, more, more stuff we can do. But with that all being said, the original goal of Songs for Soldiers was to help four veterans a year, hence the name. And you know now we've, um, you know, we're, this is our 10 year show in a couple weeks, and we've spent uh, like one million, Two hundred thousand dollars on like seven hundred eighty veterans and their families from all over the country. Wow! And not even locally. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So it's cool. San Diego, Virginia, those are big military hubs with bases. So we were in those areas, and so yeah, I don't know. It's just this happened. That's awesome. I still don't really believe it either. Yeah. So a- as you continue to grow, I mean, are you ever going to get too big for nope. the park? You're always going to good. So it's I'm good big. to hear. Yeah. It's perfect out there. It sets its home. Yeah. Uh, and I do, I do, I, yeah, this, this this has led me to doing large events for a living. I own my own event company now, and I do a bunch of large events all around St. Louis, and they're all great, but none of them feel like this one. And when you, when you do a high-quality production and actual concert in a small town that doesn't otherwise have that, it's, it's the vibe. It, you, don't get, you don't feel that at Fair St. Louis. I'm sorry, no disrespect. You just don't, you know. I like doing that event, you know, but, like, it's this, it's great. But the, the minute the stages start coming, like, tents are being built next Wednesday already because they're they're so stacked up with clients. 
that's when all the chatter starts on Facebook and all the old people in Columbia are like, what are they doing? It's like, just building tents, man, because like, we're out of time. So like, you know, whatever. But then, then when we start pulling shit in that park, Jason Don John, I'll tell you, Chief Don John, like park traffic goes up 99%. And it's all of our retired, God love them, Columbia folks just driving through, not even looking at the road. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's cool. They're not mad about it. Right. We're, we're, we're not just coming in and making all this money personally. It's a good right. thing. Right. They're not even mad. I think it's the one kind of concert that can happen without them being pissed. Right. And they, they support it. You know, it's good. Now, you said that the Songs for Soldiers is the one that, that you feel the best. I mean, when you talk to the talent afterwards. Afterwards, yeah. Well, they but feel I mean, it too. They, do they? Yes. I mean, the Brett Michaels and those guys, do they feel different than playing at, yep. at, at Riverport and, or whatever it's called now? It's different. Really? Yes. That's awesome. They all say it. Because Every they want some veterans too also, don't they? I, yeah. mean, they need... I mean, yeah. Yeah. Well, the guy that, you know, when you when you bring an artist, you got to have somebody dedicated to driving that artist around. you got to have a 15-passenger van. And the guy that does our driving, he's done it for three years now, Chris Tititan. We bought him at uh, by county, donated a new X mark to this guy because he got smoked by an, an IED in Iraq. And anyway, I took it over. He lives in Valley Park, no, down Fenton area. Arnold, sorry. And you know he has a steep ass yard, and his ankles are shot. And so we got him a mower thanks to by county here, um, small engine X mark. And he's my driver. So like they're asking questions, and he's like, oh, well, they help me. And next thing you know, he's introducing, like last year, Low Cash, he had done told the story about Matt Maupin to these guys. Really? And they asked Chris, can you go find Carolyn, because she flies in for the show every year. She's from Cincinnati. And Low Cash just spent 20, 20, 20, 30 minutes with her. That's awesome. Yeah. You know? And then, like, I think that a lot of times our, our, our artists go up to Bare Hands to get a workout in. My buddy owns that, my friends own that gym. And I got a call from somebody last year on Saturday. He's like, is Low Cash walking down Main Street because they just wanted to walk. With a weighted vest? Like, yeah. No, no, no. They were in there. Yeah. I was like, yep. They are. Right. They didn't want to ride. They wanted to walk. You know? It's cool seeing them do TikToks and shit on our tennis courts and backstage with Algin K. They were doing a Bud Light drinking game. Like, it was funny. It's just, really? I like it. Yeah. You know? And That's awesome. My dad usually takes, uh, he has a few times taken like guys fishing from bands. Um, he almost had Josh Turner's fiddle player like 20 minutes we got him back 20 minutes before the show and they left at four took him out to Mike Stump's pond and dad's like I tried to get the guy to leave he just likes catching bass <laughs> and right after they were done I walked backstage to the bar we had backstage and here's Sean and my dad right back at it talking about fishing killing shit you know it's just it's just charm man there's yeah. just like this I remember the year we had Granger Smith my daughter was so excited and at the time she was little she walked in she's like dad there's Granger and Granger turned I was like hey man what's up you know, it's like from Dustin, the charity or whatever. Sorry, she won't bother you. What's your name? You know, and kids always strike the tone, right? She goes, well, did you bring your kids? Because she sees his kids on Instagram and stuff. He's like, no, <laughs> usually don't. She's like, there's a park here. They could have came. He's like, starting to feel bad about this, sweetie. And he was so, she just, just cut him down. You know what I mean? They could be here. And you can tell, he's like, damn, they could, you know. So it's good. It's good. It's just, yeah, those little things happen. Um, to this day, Chris Shifflett from the Foo Fighters, really guitarist, he was here playing with his own. Uh, when he's not with the Foo Fighters, when they're on a tour break, he has an Americana Tom Petty. He opened for Jordan Davis. And you know, to this day, man, he'll just we've stayed in touch via email. And it's just, he felt it, liked it, you know, and 
That's great. He does his own podcast and was interviewing a veteran one time and asked me, he's like, what can I and can I not ask? I said, just ask him anything. <laughs> you know, it's just, there's been really cool things created out of it. You know, I think the year that we had Jordan Davis, 9-11 was a few days after the show and I shot him a quick text. I was just like, just letting you know, we broke our record last night. We raised this much or whatever it was that year. He made his 9-11 Instagram post about you know, I know it's a down day for a lot of you guys, especially up there in the Northeast. You know, he's like, we just, and I was feeling it too, but I just got this cool text from the show we played last week that we were able to do this and they're going to use 100%. And I was like, man, that's. That is great. Super rad. That is awesome. Yeah. So, a million stories like that. Yeah. I mean, you, you've damn near started this spider web type thing where you're at the center of the spider web and it just escalated and sent these waves out yeah. of just these ripples that have connected these artists or just civilians in the town in the towns and i mean the county I mean, and yeah like, absolutely yeah you know it's it's um my late grandpa gave me a five thousand and grandma she was still alive at the time gave me a five thousand dollar loan in 2013 to buy our shirts ahead of time you know and yeah. uh i called him as working for the city at the time and I, I, I was like, Grandma, I hate to do this. I was like, I got this idea, but we got to buy all this stuff ahead of time. Can I borrow 5000 and we'll pay you back after the show just to buy this stuff, the shirts? And uh, she's like, well, yeah, Grandpa just walked in. It's like 1030 in the morning. I was on my cell phone. Hey, yeah, Ralph, Dustin would like to know if he could, we could front him or borrow him 5000 bucks to get the show started. You know, I think he wants to do for veterans. And, can we do that? You go with it, and he's like, I just heard Grandpa, he would, he'd always slap his legs when he, yeah, hell, Columbus <laughs> took a chance. Now, <laughs> when do you need the money? I was like, well, I, I, whenever, nope, just got next few days. Well, I'm coming up to the shop, Dustin, I'll meet you there. So I pulled my city truck, met him real quick on South Main, and he handed me $5,000. And I went and gave it to our shirt lady and had shirts. <laughs> and then right when the show was over, gave him his $5,000 back, you know, like, uh, but he's like, yeah, Columbus took a chance. I, I just, you know. It's it, like it, it's it's it doesn't remotely feel like mine anymore, yeah. in, in the best way. And I remember five six years into it, Grandpa saying, "He goes, you know what's cool about this thing is, you always keep the word we in it, and not me in it. It's like and you just because it's so true. This this thing would not be shit without this ten person team I have all year long." They are unbelievable. Um, and they're my best friends now. They're my family. Uh, and then the 300 volunteers, the $270,000 you would bring in in sponsorships, both locally and regionally, whether it's your Aces Wild, down to Fashion Attic, up to Chevrolet, up to Jim Beam, up to Stiefel. It's just still a good blend. You know, it's just like... It's just, none of it happens without a lot of people. The police department, the fire department, you know. The county donates all their emergency generators for us to use. I say it's a $7,000. You know what I mean? There's so many stuff like that people don't even know what happens. You know? But it still has that small town mm -hmm. charm to it. It, it still has that it feel. Does. I mean, you go to it and it is a, it is a rock concert. Or, yeah. I mean, but you know. But you're at home. You're still, right, absolutely. Yeah. You can yeah. walk, stumble, crawl. Get yeah. home. You're still <laughs> on the field that your kids play practice football on. I, I think you, about that I all, play catch uh, with my kids. Yes. I mean, it is I, still... Dude, there were so many Friday afternoons I would mow that field thinking of, like, 
God, there's a vibe out here. Way before song, I felt something on that damn field. Years before this came to be. It's just a special, the, the pine trees, the school lets us do all the parking, you know? And dude, another cool stat that nobody knows about, not on wood, big wood, we need a lot. Because, like, it's like we've never had a police incident in 10 years. There's not been a fight at s for s Wow. That, I think, says a lot, too. Absolutely. Like, it's come fast fun. People get loose for sure. Duh. We, we make, like, $100,000 in beer sales. I know people are having fun out there. I can yeah. see it. Yeah, but, like, yeah. But, it, but they keep it together. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Yeah. Sure. Just to have fun. They keep it at fun. Well, you know? and... You know, we we park at a buddy's house and walk down. I mean, yep. you're walking through a neighborhood. It, it, it's great. It, it, and nobody's mad about it. It's almost like Wrigley Field. I mean, where yeah. you walk it's through good, a neighborhood yeah, and all analogy. of a sudden there's good there's analogy. this massive place. And it is. You you walk through a neighborhood and there's the Mecca. There's the country concert. There's the rock concert. It, and I like it, it too down on Route 3 when you start, when you can see the stage, man. It's there all week. Mm-hmm. The people are just, it's, it's just, oh. I'm, I'm fired up now. This podcast is getting me ready. I'm going <laughs> yeah. into the 16 day. Yeah. We're ready. Yeah. And, and I tell you, last year and this year, I don't know what it was about last year, but you took a turn as far as the the uh, promotion. I mean, I heard it on every single radio station, and we know about it because we live here and we know you. But last year, I, was there something different you did last year? That, that Well, last year was different because we tried something totally new. We went with 90s bands. I just couldn't land a good classic rock band that I thought would be good, just the way it was. And I was like, well, let's try this. Man. But I didn't know if you bumped up your promotion budget or if you called more people or it was everywhere. I mean, it was nonstop. I mean, I work with guys that, that live out in Chesterfield and St. Yeah. Charles and every single one of them were like, hey, what's going on in Columbia? Yeah. And they had never mentioned well, it Well, I think a lot of it probably is a radio. Yeah. KC. Oh, well, last year was the point they presented that show because it was '90s, okay. and then WIL, they they've been hammering it home since May, and this year it's getting back with KC, and then two weeks going into it, the Arch starts stuff, the Point starts stuff, ESPN 101 starts stuff, Hubbard's our partner, oh okay. so yeah, well we got the billboards, um, we just dude, I don't know, and you know that that's another cool story. Lauren uh, Learn from Keishi. Yeah. Another Columbia girl. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, yeah. all this fit together is just really amazing. I love her. Big love time. Her. You know what I mean? And, yeah. Uh, but, yeah. I, yeah, I, I hope so. I, ho- I hope it's everywhere. I hope you feel that. I hope you see it everywhere. And we didn't change anything this year. It's back out there. Um, there's even Southern Illinois radio stations that we don't pay them for promotions. But, like, 93, I don't know what they are. But like we can pick them up kind of here, but we give them like fifty tickets per night for giveaways and like ten VIP, you know, and as a trade. So all these rural people, I think, are like, oh shit, Columbia's not that bad. That's yeah. forty minutes, not Riverport's an hour and a half. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And if you think you've seen, just wait till the next two weeks. Because like, I'm just, I don't know. Yeah. So that's all you can do, you know, is just go at it. But I do say people love people around here definitely love weather forecasts because they love to make me shit my pants <laughs> until about now. And I guarantee you they're doing the same thing I do when they first wake up. Well, not, not everybody, but I do. I start from now on, or with 16, I start the 14-day countdown. Like I start watching weather trends, and we always sell our most tickets every year in the last two weeks, and it drives me nuts. 
I would love nothing more for everybody just to trust the weather's gonna be good <laughs> in June, <laughs> so I can sleep better. Right. Because every year at this time I crap my pants. But at this point, I mean, you know, I hope it's so. Cold. But I still I mean, don't know. Do sure, I? sure, sure. Yeah. 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 I do yeah. this kind of these shows for like not songs for soldier, but up. Uh, it's scary. There's a lot on the line with this stuff. Big artists, you know, like you gotta get the show in. Yeah. But no, it's. But I mean, that's like the great athletes. They still get nervous before every game. Michael Jordan said that. You're not gonna get complacent. So I mean, you still have that fire and that the nerve. Probably is and, why you hear it everywhere. Yeah. Right. And why I don't shut the fuck up about it. Right. Because like it's just, you know. Last year, I remember ticket sales lagged bad until the summer. I was freaking out. And I was like, I'm just going to go as hard as I can. At least if I go as hard, and then sold the shit mode. You know, yeah. it was great. I sold any classic rock show we've ever had, as far as the country, uh, going with 90s. And I was like, but if, if I, I do know this much. If I go hard, I'll be okay with whatever result. If I don't go hard, I will not live it down. Right. That's just like every sporting event, everything you've ever done. Right. I'll take it to the grave hard. Yeah. Bad. (laughs) So is there anybody that you've, and you don't necessarily have to name names, but I mean, have you always gotten who you've gone for? No. Last year, instead of Everclear, we were supposed to have gin blossoms, but the bass player broke his arm, so they had to shift all tour dates. So I landed on Everclear. Um, They were great. Who have we almost had and then lost? And where does that, that where does that conversation start? Uh, do you reach out to an agent? Do you? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so there's about four or five major agencies, about four that represent pretty much everybody, and so um, two in particularly have a lot of country um, acts, uh, and so yeah. In year one, I used a company that I now my event company I own it that I do for a living. Mm-hmm. I used Entertainment St. Louis. It's now called the Ops. But I met these guys, and the one dude moved to San Diego, and I ended up working for him and then buying it from him. But they um, they did our talent buying for Brett Michaels, and I think the second year, too, Ranger Smith and Ivan Rio. Uh, and then from that point on, I was like, I think I know how to do this. So I just started doing it. And then what's really been cool is um, I, 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 I now don't, o- don't only talent buy for Songs for Soldiers. I, I do other events throughout the year. So I do First Form Summer Smash, so I book their talent. Um, booked Fair St. Louis talent last year, and so I'm 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 booking more in general for my for my regular job, and so it, it's a little easier to get answers. It's a lot faster now. Songs for Soldiers always pays its bills, so you're automatically in. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Sure. But it's it's tough to break into, but once you're in, you're in. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. I think uh, the year we had low cash, I was actually that. I was supposed to have, shit, Rodney Atkins. And Joe Nichols, I was going to do a double headlining bill. And something fell through with one of them. Like, you still want Rodney? I was like, nah. I, I, I like the old and the new. And then we landed on Low Cash, which, in my opinion, was the best country show we've ever had. I was going yeah. to put on a fucking show. For sure. It was For sure. lights out. I'd book him again. You right. know? Um, yeah, sometimes you get them, sometimes you lose them. Sure. You know? But now I usually have the show booked by November or December. So talk a little bit about your, your uh, main job. Yep. I mean, what uh, what kind of events do you put on? Uh, well, just today I got back from, there was a new music festival that came to St. Louis. Um, all St. Louis people that worked on it called Evolution Fest. It just took place down in Forest Park this past weekend and two-day music festival. More or less jumped in and filled the void for Lou Fest, but different people. 
because um, that went up went belly up 2019 I think Lufest stopped happening so it was cool um, we had uh, Brandy Carlisle Ice Cube Black Crows Black Keys Brittany Howard it was, it was awesome 25,000 tickets over two days wow and um, uh, content I did we were not fully in charge of that show Contemporary Productions is their fantastic event production company out of St. Louis they more or less built Riverport and they did the Super Jam concerts remember those back oh, in God, the stadium yes. that's yes. when Contemporary started and we so talk about that. they hired us um, <laughs> me it's just me and I bring on my team I have guys that come on for each event other than that it's just me but to knock out their entire site operations so you know they, they booked all their own talent we didn't have nothing to do with that but like and they made their own maps and shit. We didn't have to do the CAD maps like we normally do or nothing like that. But then we took their plan that they pre-planned and put it in place. So as temp vendors are rolling in, this is here, this is there. Everything was GPSed. Does that make sense? Sure. So like for that particular event, we just handled side operations and, and event power. So all the generators and stuff, you know. Me and my buddy Pat took care of that. Um, but other events we run, like I'll do the full thing like I do for us for us. So like first forms a really great client of mine and so they do a huge event in June called Summer Smash and um, they shut down their parking lot down there in Fenton and they put a lottery out they sell out in like 45 seconds they let 2,600 people in and that's a big one so I planned that whole thing I booked the talent I make the CAD drawings for the site map I handle any permits that need to happen all that and so this year was cool that that was a big step in my career um, the biggest band I ever booked ever bands ever I booked um, uh, we brought in Chainsmokers the Chainsmokers wow. um, Rick Ross and um, uh, a really good indie up and coming rapper called Mike just Mike and so yeah they're a really fun client because like you gotta like get creative they, they want something different every year so that was a fun show to plan because we took like $30,000 worth of fireworks and put it in the chain smoker set and I was just sitting out there like a little kid like just like my WWF ring in my basement except it's real shit right yeah and I was like I knew when it was coming I was excited I was telling my friends like, watch that wham bam you know and, uh, it was cool and they're fun and they're good to sponsor for soldiers too they sponsor our show oh yeah as well so it's kind of a cool a lot of synergy there pedal the cause is my other one of my favorite clients ever they're a big cancer fundraiser cycling event out in Chesterfield and um, it's always the week after song, so we load out oh, the park Sunday, and I load that shit in Monday. <laughs> but it's a huge cycling event, and they've raised, God, they've put like $27 million towards cancer research, like legit stuff, cancer goggles, and goes to Sightman and all that stuff. They take each dollar they raise, and through government grants, turn it into six. So I really like working for them. It's, they're, it's like home. They become some of my, they'll all be at songs, you yeah. know. Um, what else do we do? All the Go Marathon logistics for the, the races. Um, I do the Wash U concerts that they put on for their kids. We close down Mudfield in the middle of the complex and put on a, it's always a rap show. Only my kids know. This year they're like, who's, who's your shorter than I do? I was like, Flo Millie? And they're like, what? I was like, I like Flo Million. Here we are rolling into CMS last year, this spring, I should say, sixth grade. Flo Million shit. Flo Million shit. That dude, that teacher that directs traffic, is like, what the fuck are you got on, man? Like, I was like, Flo Million shit. So it's it's a fun career. Um, oh, we, another really fun festival that we just picked up this year. I had a blast doing 
super fun group of people to work with. We do Pride, Pride STL. They're a huge Pride Fest downtown. 60,000 people. Yeah. What a fun client, man. I mean, we just have a blast working for them. Fair St. Louis, do that. So. That's great. Fucking bonkers. Yeah. A lot of times I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> My dad's always like, you ever gonna, you know, come home? I'm like, yeah, I'll get there. <laughs> Eventually. But Eventually. the kids are getting older, man. They Like, my twins are almost 13. Like, they're going to start working this shit. They already work at S4S, and Danny's seven. I need them in the summer. Yeah. So it's it's turn, it's going to be a family affair here very shortly. Yeah. Events are fun. Yeah. It's stressful, but fun. And the, the crew that you have, I mean, you had kind of mentioned them earlier. Mm-hmm. I mean... For S4S? Are, are these... Yeah. yeah. All these, local. You said, you said you got your, your 10 guys. Yes. Being, so those guys deserve well, and I should say right? there's like 16 total that have come and gone too. Cause, you know, it's a lot of work. Sure. Yeah. So people are like oh, I can't do this. Yeah. Um, the the roles that they do for this charity are 100% paid roles in any other charity. Right. That much time. So let's just go through the list because Lynn McAuliffe, local girl, she just retired from AT and T after 35 years of graphic design. All the cool flyers and shit you see, it's all Lynn. Every piece of signage you see, she designs. All the stage scrims, she designs. Really? The shit I post on social media, she designs. She does all of our merch. She orders it all. She handles the merch at the show. Insane. We do that huge um, yard sale. Brings in $20,000 yeah. a year. All in. Uh, Marion Chartrand. Handles, she creates all of our ticketing. So through ticket sauce. How you buy your concert. As tickets come in and out. She also oversees the, like running our volunteer sign-up sheets and websites. Uh, Mandy Dennison and Travis Dennison. He's a Marine himself. Um, they run the bar. They handle everything with um, Jim Bean and Gray Eagle, ABR2 main title liquor and beer sponsors, and plan and run the whole entire bar. Um, Katie Hart, local girl, uh, runs our VIP section. Bud Amos runs our all of our food vendors because he handles them every year. Who do I have left Pulsey. here? Jason Pulse. Oh, love Pulsey. He's going to be the beginning of the end of Songs for Soldiers. That's some stupid shit. But uh, anyways, he's our electrician. Plans out an entire power grid out there. Does anything we need hands-on. Um, Luke Rao. Uh, Luke, Luke Rao handles all of, uh, does gets our audit, all of our tax shit in place, counts all the money at the show. Um, uh, hold on. I cannot forget people. Teresa Henke does all of our books. Every Sunday she sits down for a few hours and rectifies the books each week. That's very important because you get audited. Sure. You know, there's a lot of stuff going every which way with veteran payments. She she puts a ring on all that. Debbie Dillon and Katie Amos handle all of our backstage catering. Huh? Oh, I know it's right there. Yeah. I'm trying to think who she is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Nicole Cruz. Yes. Yeah, she was with us for like four or five years. Okay. Um, and she, she always helped with uh, like soda water sales, VAP. Uh, Jeannie Rice, she's a teacher at the middle school. She was a big part of us for a long time. Terry Rohr was a big part of us for a long time. Kim Siegel helped me single-handedly start Songs for Soldiers. She's one of my best friends. Um, so we've had this, this uh, Marla, late, the late Marla mm-hmm. Vogue was a big team member for us. Um, and just we've... Our clean up the church. Yeah. Mike Ray. Mike Ray, the way, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, they show up Sunday morning and just... It's two hours. It's like 80% done. Like what we have to do on a Sunday. And uh, But these are these are hometown people. Monroe County, Colombian. That are, that are putting on this show. Veterans I mean, it, too. It is insane. Part, Mike's a veteran. You yeah. Know? yeah. Travis Dennison's a veteran. Um, Mike Ray. 
My crazy a veteran. God, I just want to go through my team here and make sure I didn't. Oh, Joy Dean Beatty. Joy Dean and Rick, they're lights out. So she also helps with the bar and handles like beer ticket sales. You know what I'm saying? And big time with the um, with the yard sales as well because their sister's Lynn, right? So, I mean, God. And we meet once a month and our meetings are shorter now. Sometimes I get anxiety. I'm like, why is nobody asking any fucking questions? <laughs> and then the 300 volunteers that sign up, they usually sign, do the same job every year. Last year, I sat down and ate lunch with all the, the sound and audio guys that came in during load and they're like, what are you doing? I was like, eat hungry. It's like, we've never seen you stop here. I was like, I know. The team's killing it, you know? I mean, killing it. That's great. Um, so, uh, the Denison's daughters, they, they jump in big time to help with meet and greets and one of their boyfriends handles all of the dispatching of our equipment and security. It's just fuck. It's like a family, dude. Yeah. It really is. Right behind, if, if I lost my family, I would be at their house on Christmas Eve. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're tight. That's great. Yeah. I love them. Ride or dies, as the, the young ones say. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, Dustin, I appreciate you coming on. How long you come did that talk go? to us. Not long enough. I'll be <laughs> honest with you. Absolutely not. Nope, we could It's go. getting a little balmy in this garage. It is a little. It's a little humid. <laughs> I mean, we could still go for. Uh, Shouldn't we do a section on cold air? Th- and there needs to be a there section. Needs to be another he old section. Actually, in <laughs> his eyes, a big part of it, isn't he? He is. Yeah, Cole's well, a big part. A, of it. He's a part of it. Well, he had a big and part of it. Your boy Drew Panzine and Jason yeah. Perkins, these guys all, and and and, and Ryan Ledendecker, they all do the backstage cooking. Uh, I'll tell you how good our backstage food is, thanks to Schubert's. You know, we get all the food from those guys up in Millstock. But, you know Charles Glenn sings the National Anthem for the right. Blues? Yeah. Blues? He has been to our show a few times, and it's the best barbecue he's ever had. Really? And you know Charles Glenn knows barbecue. <laughs> oh, wow. 100%. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> he loves it. And so, Panzine helped cook that. Now, I will say this. By the time the headliner's done, Panzine's eyes are crossed. He can't see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no disagreements. Thank here. God Veterans Parkway's closed because his ass barely makes it across. <laughs> uh, and then if you go to the, the, the great Cole Dreher, the, the official mayor, Lifetime, he has always helped with, like, stage setup now. But now we have a bunch of these young high school kids that love it, that need it hours. So they're, like, the ones helping. So Cole, you can find Cole. He does, like, the half-sleeve roll. And he stands there and... Got the gun show just, going. <laughs> right. Just stares at people with that sour puss of his. You know, like, <laughs> no, I would do it. But he's yeah. always there. He's always there. Yeah. And then Cole is our unofficial, you know, at the show... We gotta like get the artists out and get the trailers loaded. Cole just go ahead and head to the tiny's let us know if anything good's happened up there. <laughs> That's his these are tiny's I don't know what the Look hell out. Yeah. Look yeah, out. Right. Sounds all right. right. Gotta get up here, right. guys. Yeah. yeah. Or aces. Wow, he goes to both. Yeah. He, he floats. Yeah. But so, uh Friday night, headliner uh, yes. Travis Tritt. Yep. This is our ten year show. And my team was like, let's just go a little bigger. I was like, Okay, you guys, it's kind of a democracy here. They pretty much let me do what I want, <laughs> but but I was like, all right. So we went with Travis Tritt, who's, I he's doing really, he's kicking ass. He's selling a lot of tickets, and then and I was on Rock and Roll Night, man. We're running out of years where we can have classic rock. Guys are getting older, right? And Cheap Shirt still puts on a hell of a show. But I'm really excited on Friday night. I really encourage anyone listening to listen to. 
the band that's opening before Travis J is Tiger Lily Gold and these two beautiful sisters out of you know I think Texas but I can't remember to live in Nashville now they're really really good um, they're opening it up for Travis and then we got Matt Jordan a local guy he's kicking it off um, and then Saturday night uh, Cheap Trick and then Matt Rick Nielsen who is their famous guitar player his son Miles Nielsen who's been here before he opened up for 38 Special has a really good band out of Rockford Miles Nielsen and the Rusted Hearts so when I was negotiating that deal Cheap Trick's like who's going to be our direct support right before us I was like if you sign that fucking contract, I'll book Miles. <laughs> and they did. So, and then we also got, I still think, you know what's funny? We got the headliners. I know that that's the draw. It's for sure. It's the vibe. But man, you, it's still pretty kick-ass when Joe Dirt and the Dirty Boys are up there doing their thing or Super Jam. You know, these, we still have all the cover bands all day. And to me, that's still my favorite part. Oh, Oh yeah, those guys are local legends, and letting the, letting these cover bands get up there and have a stage like that, oh. nobody half-asses their performances on that stage. And the Monroe County people go nuts for them. Yep. yep. Yeah. It's the only show I've ever broken a drum. <laughs> really? Mm-hmm. It's my favorite hour of the year. Yep. I don't even remember any of it. It's just, and not because I'm drinking <laughs> or anything. I just, that's my hour, man. <laughs> when my band gets to play for you know five thirty to six or whatever. So where all does your band play? Everywhere. Yeah. You guys are still. Oh yeah four shows alone this weekend so really we 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 have proclaimed ourselves days and confused and that's an s for s tie because our lead singer is a disabled veteran himself he's in a wheelchair rusty as hell he's the crabby ass fuck that answers the phone down there at sonnenberg (laughs) and uh the reason i met rusty is because every spring and winter songs for soldiers puts two three four veterans uh we cover like flight and hotel costs for disabled veterans combat vets to go to the winter sports clinic um, and so they can do it like uh, in Aspens, they can like adaptive skiing and all that kind of stuff. And then there's a summer one for a bunch of adaptive sports in, in San Diego. And when the very first year that we sent three or four veterans to Aspen, one of the veterans had a brain injury and they're like, he needs a battle buddy or else he can't go. I was like, well, I'll go. His name was Ben. I was like, what do I got to do? He's like, hey, he's not that bad actually. Like you just got to like, just watch him, share a room with him. Other than that, I know your brother lives out here. You can go ski and have fun. Just He needs somebody. Don't give him alcohol. <laughs> okay. So anyways, I'm at Lambert, 4.30 in the morning. And there's just this hilarious dude in a wheelchair from the word go. Loud as fuck, obnoxious, funny. I'm immediately drawn to him. It's Rusty Azell, who's now in my band. Still had no clue who he was. So we get out to Aspen. Take Ben straight to the bar. <laughs> My brother Sean lives in Colorado, so he met us. So, you know, he's a, he's a school teacher, so he has no money. So he's just, he, you got a free hotel in Aspen? I'll be there. You know, so now Sean's in my room, my youngest brother. And we're just hammering beers with Ben in a local pub in Aspen. And then here comes this dude in this wheelchair. It's like, Kim, like, God damn, you're interesting to me. You're funny. And you're a dick, and you're like, I like you, I like you. Somebody called me my last name. One of the one of the VA guys that you know sponsors the ships. Like, yeah, it's funny, Rao. He goes, what did you say your name was? I was like, Dustin Rao. Is your last is your dad named Dan Rao? I was like, yeah. He goes, dude, I I used to pour concrete before I was you know paralyzed. I was a concrete. But your dad's a carpenter. I was like, yeah. Like, where do you live? He's like, Birdie Roadshow. I was like, you do. <laughs> and man, we became friends and got hammered and had a blast. Got Ben back to the room. All good. And Rusty sends me a link that night. Hey, man, I'm a singer, too. I know you're a musician. 
check this out. And Rusty, back then, had won VA's Got Talent. And he sang on Channel 9 in the finals and won Old Man by Neil Young with a really famous songwriter, guitar player. I was like, dude, we should just start a fucking... I've always wanted to just have a banger cover band. You've seen us. That's what we are. We just go hard at it. Yeah. And so we met up. He introduced me to some of these guys who have also become like family to me. And that's our cover band. And then so before we started our band, I was like, I was in a different band with Scott Harris and we were Charlotte and we were playing Sausage Soldiers at that time. That's who I was with. I was like, guys, we got this guy. We should let him sing this Neil Young song. Scott, you play guitar. It'd be great. I was like, we need to have a loud one with him too. So I was like, let's also learn Free World by Neil Young and let him sing that. That's how we'll end our show. Rusty comes up on stage. I ain't going either way on this issue. I don't feel like getting into it. But, like, this is about the time all the kneeling and stuff was happening in the NFL, you know. And Rusty gets up on stage. What's up, I'm Rusty? He's like, rock star. He's drunk. He did some shots backstage. <laughs> he's like, you all ready to stand for our flag? He's like, even though I can't or something like that. You know? <laughs> he's like, and then dude goes off. This is like third year of Espress, first year in the park. You don't. Kneel for that fucking fl- you and just snaps. I'm just like, oh shit, cut his mic. I look down, I see the mayor, and the mayor's like, oh god, no. And I, he just, and then we, I just started the song to get yeah. him to shut up. And I was like, well, we're buddies, and and that's what he does. But like, yeah, though, so now, I, like selfishly, the one band that plays that for us every year is is mine. I just cannot give it up. Hey, absolutely, oh, oh, be that cannot give it up. Yeah. And when I, you know, we're always in that five thirty. We always. The one song we play every year, we always just end with Thunderstruck, and it sends the show into Joe Dirt, and then into the it just sets the tone for a party. Yeah, and it's I just sit back there and cry. Yeah, but smile. Yeah, it's my favorite. I'm like I just watch it from there. I don't even know what I'm playing. I just that's my favorite five minutes of the year. That's great. I know I should say other things as a father. No. <laughs> <They're my favorite. laughs> but the kids won't listen to this. They know it. <laughs> they know if I said, Oh, my favorite thing is to watch you my favorite five minutes here is when you play soccer. They're like, Bullshit. <laughs> it's like when you're losing your mind at songs. I was like, Yeah, you're right. So yeah. Sorry kids, love you. Yeah. 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 That's all. Well, Dustin, we appreciate you coming on. I mean, we also got some recognition here for you. I mean, you're the Honor 200 Award of December of 2018. The S4S was honored at the State of Illinois Bicentennial Ceremony for Veteran Outreach Support and Charitable Efforts. I mean, you also got the Rural Spirit Award, the Missouri Veterans Commission Great Partner Award, the Governor's Business Award, the Missouri Athletics Club's Lifetime Dedication Award. I mean, you're all over the place, and we appreciate you. We appreciate you coming on sharing your story and we hope that everybody comes out and supports you supports the s4s kind of here at the end of the month i mean it's everybody always awesome. asks and I, I say this is just what i've been saying all year is like everybody says how can we support I'm like just bring somebody that's never been yeah. we're, we're not losing people right um and the goal with this show and doing national bands and talent is has never been make like I, I, we all, I think we've done it. Like, just make the event quality enough to come regardless, whether it's low cash or whether it's Morgan Whalen, Walden, whatever. Like, <laughs> it's like, doesn't matter. Yeah, we're gonna go and we're gonna take our launchers and we're gonna see a really good show in our town, our county, and then you know know that our money's actually going towards something. Right. Because every Budweiser that you built buy out there, 
we make five bucks off that, just so you know. Yeah. So all you gotta do is bring a bunch of friends and have fun. <laughs> we're not asking anybody to do anything. I feel like we're giving back a good product. Right. Oh, yeah. Right. It's it's the for funnest sure. it's way not to a raise donation. money. I mean, you're paying yeah. for a ticket and, and it's you're no different than going to Riverport, right. except you don't have to deal with fifteen dollar beers. Right. Yeah. You know. Oh, got it. It's, I, I preach affordability and it won't, you know, we'll never make it unaffordable and it'll never leave there. And if we just start selling out from the word go, great. Yeah. We'll save $10,000 on marketing. Yeah. And I'll sleep like a baby. <laughs> well, you, you are a great white whale. I mean, you are, we're nine episodes into this and, and I mean, you are the epitome of what we wanted to do here, which is just, uh, promote people that do good things for, uh, in this area and man I, I can't I mean I need to hear it but we can't thank you enough for what you do for this community for what you do for veterans I mean it, it's you bring this to Columbia I mean you make Columbia a, a destination for even if it's for one weekend a year man it, it's unbelievable it really is that's my favorite thing dude I, I love connectivity and um, my every year um Either Friday or Saturday night, depending on how it's going. I, uh, I that bench that I told you about, where like I thought of the name, I just like go over there. It's over in the park playground, and I will like pretty much watch half the headliners set from there by myself, because I can remember, um, you know, I the the amount of gratitude that I have and feel is really hard. It, it's like really hard to know how to let people. It's the real. It's it's cliche, but like there aren't any words. I don't really know what to do, and I feel guilty about it. Like it's really, it's really hard to like have so many people believe in this stupid little idea you had. And it's it, it, the hard part is like showing them how much you appreciate it. You know, I'm not saying this is some kind of hard. It's great. I love doing this in this town in the community and working with all these people. It's just hard to project how you. And I remember uh, an old friend of mine was just like, just show it. Just, just if you feel that way, people feel it. Even if you can't get a word out, it's, they, they can feel it. Yeah. And, and that's it. Like I, I just, um, you know, all like the security company we hire, and the stagehands, we set aside petty cash. We tip all these hard workers, the people, you know, that get treated like shit at events that I see everywhere. We give them twenty five bucks. Here's dinner on the way home. Here's gas. Like, this is a fucking ecosystem. Like, uh, you know what I'm saying? It takes, yeah. it takes our little ten-person committee. It takes 300 volunteers. It takes the church. It takes, it takes, um, volunteer stagehands. It takes security. Like everyone that's doing it is just as important as everyone else. Right. And I think if you just keep that forward, that's how it has success. That makes sense. Oh, for it sure. It ain't mine, man. This thing is, it's, it's Columbia's, and I'm just grateful that everyone likes it. Yeah. And I hope we never get annoying. No. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's the thing, is I think everybody feels that. I mean, your passion, whether it's your two-minute interviews on TV or radio, I mean, it, that's kind of why we wanted to do this long form, to it really good get to, to know get some F-words out. Yeah. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. I'm Ken, sorry. Ken Earhart doesn't let you do that? I promise you I take all this stuff very seriously. We help a lot of people. You have my word, but I sure like, I'm pretty normal and cuss a lot. Yeah. Especially, yeah. you guys give me like 18 Budweiser. Well, I, I think at the end of the day, what really helps Dustin is it's not Dustin Rout, it's not S for S, mm -hmm. it's the helping the 700 plus veterans yeah. that you do, and that's 
where you get your support, that's where you get, I don't knock on wood, like I said earlier, that no issues pretty much. Mm. I mean, you are helping all these men and women through all these issues, and that's where the bottom line is. Yeah. And that's what's really incredible at the end of the day. Yeah. And everybody feels it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, my favorite post to make is, like, I love when I get just, like, a two-sentence email from a veteran. I mean, we just drop that on a story or something. Like, it's just like, man, I know everybody, rightfully so, focuses on us right now when the show's coming and happening. But, like, man, they, they don't get to hear, and I try to put it out there as much as I can on Instagram or Facebook or whatever, but they don't get to hear the, the amazing, uh, you know, it gives us a year's worth of work in a good way. And there's days I'm at wit's end with life, career, hell songs for soldiers it's a lot and then you get that fucking email you know it's like oh my god thank you for keeping the power on and i'm like fuck i and how, how do you hear from these people i mean how do you call they'll email oh, back okay yeah, I didn't here's know your amarin confirmation number you're good we went ahead and paid three months worth i put 400 on your balance yeah instead of 150 but i mean how do you know how do you learn about people that are in need oh how do we get them right oh 90 percent through va so we've networked with the VA as, as far as we can to as doctors and caseworkers and therapists and, and polytrauma doctors and all these people hear stories as they're working with that person. Fuck, I get the stress. I can't pay my goddamn rent. You know, all this stuff. Hey, call these guys. So the VA. Like, actually, you know, I think it's great. Like yeah, we're that's awesome, and it's it's so cool. We're volunteers, so every email I send back to a caseworker and a VA or and the veteran, and the VA workers also help me vet veterans. I don't want social security numbers, and HIPAA records on our server. It's a weird world out there. Shit gets stolen all the time. I don't want to be the source of that. So these VA workers can see the full story that I don't necessarily need to see. I can hear it on the phone. They don't type it. The, the, guy, the guy really needs help. This girl really needs help. Um, and then, so they can, they have access to know if this person's, you know, really trying or not. Right. Because we run into some shit bags. Sure. I have pissed people off. Um, you know, we run into some shit. Uh, I don't care if you're a veteran. There's still pieces of shit in every, every demographic of the world. And they're out there. And so, but the VA really helps me get through that. They know, don't send it to me. Do we get everyone right? No. But do we get 98% of them right? We do. You know what I mean? And um, so it comes to the VA, you know, and then and then we just, uh, you know, get their application, find out what they need. And then when we can, we try to not just, like, if they're really behind, if they're, if they're really hurting, like, instead of just paying one month, we'll try to do two, maybe three. Because that way, maybe their new job and their paychecks can, they can put that in the bank and have some kind of security. Does that make sense? We go a little deeper than just... And then we also never give the veteran the money. So if it's a mortgage payment, we pay the lender. Um, That's good. If it's Amron, we pay Amron. If it's a car company to fix a uh, repair, we pay the... Does that make sense? Sure, sure. This is another layer of... Um, to make sure you're doing the right thing. To make yeah, sure you're yeah. putting it where it goes. Yeah, where to say what we're doing right, right. Is, is true. And it is. I think that's also why people like it. They know we do that. You know? Because... I've, It'd be fun to share a couple of voicemails I've gotten from veterans we've told no to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what they don't know where I live. <laughs> that's going to be a real problem later. 
you know, but um, it's, so yeah, it comes to the VA pretty much, so. And the VA does good work. Yeah. But it's just, we're just another resource because they can't do everything, so. It's a good thing. Yeah. Yep. Well, Dustin, we can't thank you enough. Um, folks, go out and get your tickets so Dustin doesn't have to panic. Uh, it never fails. I just want to see a sellout in June. Yeah. Ticket sales are trending better than they ever have. We're, we're, we're doing well this year. All right. We're so. good. And we'll have to have you back maybe afterwards when you get a break. We'll Let's get do a recap. Uh, we'll get your workers and give them some cred. Let them talk about uh, how big of a pain in the ass boss you are, maybe. Oh, and, yeah. uh, you know, tell some more <laughs> stories of, uh, of what it's like to work with you. Yeah, it's funny. I, I, I make suggestions, and they're like, you're already sold, right? I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> Give me the FAA permit. <laughs> uh, can't it's going to be cool. Can't wait. Yeah. Well, can't thank you enough. I, I don't know how we could ever top this, honestly. Uh, uh, I do. We could just come back and talk about coal. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you, gotta, you have to listen to our fantasy football one. Cole is the star of the show. Was he? Oh, yes, yeah. he was. Oh, he was talking shit so much. It was a yeah. fantasy football and... Wrestling. We're talking to wrestling. Does the, audi- <laughs> Does the audience know that when I'm sitting on my back porch watching my outdoor, I have a covered porch, I have a TV. Yeah. My outdoor couch is 16 feet from his headboard. Oh boy. Oh god. Because his room's on the back corner of his house. Like he lives here, I live there. Well, yeah. At least, at least you know it's quiet on the headboard. Yeah. <laughs> I never, I never have to turn up the TV. I never have to turn up the TV. Oh, did, did I say, oh, I say that again? No. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Like, no, he, it's, yeah, crickets, dude. Oh, that's hilarious. Crickets. And he never opens his windows. He's a curmudgeon. He was supposed to, he actually was going to stop by, but he didn't. Yeah, well, he's probably pretty busy. Or is he yeah. at Aces? Yeah. Was it Tuesday? Wednesday? What's Wednesday, Wednesday. for Cole? I don't even yeah, know. Yeah, it doesn't matter. He goes to South County one night, too, I think. I don't know. He's got he's to he's he's make the cold He has a schedule. Yeah. You can't can't yeah. do with those schedule. Don't. No. I don't know how he's been a firefighter on a schedule. Yeah. Don't know. <laughs> right? It still blows my mind. Just throws a wrench in his spouse. Yeah. I'm glad he doesn't listen to this. He doesn't care about this. Good thing. No, but if you don't mind, take that last minute and give me that sound bite. That's all I mean. <laughs> and then, because you're right, he won't listen. Yeah, but he'll assume that it's all, and then we, yeah. we just need that. Right. Yeah. yeah. Just, just the hits on Cole. Yeah. All right. Well, All right, thank you enough again, and uh, it's great talking Nine. to you. It's yeah. Funny. Yeah. And uh, we'll have you back. Sounds can't, good. Can't thank you enough. Thanks, guys. All right. We'll see you next week. I look real good today. 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 Jumping out the mother Bentley. Keep rolling in a custom new Balenciaga.